everyone welcome back to the one talk podcast we have such an amazing episode today it's a collaboration with the one talk and the technician podcast i'm so excited to go into this it talks about drug addiction mental health well-being our coping strategies today and adversities we've overcome in life it's also featuring xavier davies and it's an open table talk and I'm excited for you all to listen to this one. Enjoy. What's up, gang? Welcome to our first collab with One Talk Podcast and the Technician Podcast. I've got my man Scousy, aka Ryan. How Hello, you doing, brother. And Xavier. How's it going? Good, man. Good. So, this one is all about celebrating my man Ryan's seven years of sobriety. How do you feel, bro? I feel good. I feel proud and I'm very um, grateful to be here. Mm, big story, man, to go into. And obviously, just to clarify to the listener, we really want to focus on these two and their stories and what they've been through, especially around uh, addiction, mental health, those sort of things. I'll pop in some of my story here and there, but it was really as me to be the facilitator within this you know the experience is going to be for these two to really talk into it and everyone can really get a feel into what they've been through so without further ado my man let's talk about your story Ryan and where it all started and what you went through around this sort of stuff you experienced yeah so all started from the age of 11 so I moved from England to Adelaide um, then Adelaide to Queensland so I got to Queensland when I was 11 and then from that period, from the break of end of the year, because back then, um, I say like that was ages ago, but <laughs> primary school was year seven, not in high school. So from the transition from primary school to high school, I ended up just on to go to like social gatherings and things like that. And then one night I got handed a joint and I was like, oh, true, like I'll have a go at this, see what it's like. Smoked a joint and it was the first ever time that all these labels and all these conditioned beliefs that were put on me, it was the first time I felt that relief off my shoulders. So from there on, from the age of 11, that's when I started experimenting with probably nearly every type of drug I could get my hands on. Mm, that's interesting you just said that. Can you speak into that a little bit and for the listener to understand that a little bit, you know, what you just said, those conditioned beliefs being, yeah, you know, like a weight lifted off your shoulders, like you said. Yeah, because before then, I had no coping strategies. I didn't understand mental health, the mind, mindfulness and things like that. So I didn't understand um, the things that I was feeling. I could actually find ways to overcome this or I could find ways to cope with this. It was more so of, this is my life. I'm stuck like this, you know, like I always, you know, I always got told I was a crazy acting up kid. So I always acted crazy growing up and I was acting out and I was rebelling because I was told this is the person that I was. So then when I tried the drugs, all this came off me and I felt calm. I felt relief. I felt just like a peace. I felt like I was at a point where I felt safe as well. So from there on, I thought that was the only option to escape the way that I felt. So that's when I dived more into the substances. Interesting. Does that resonate with you, oh, Xavier? Man, I got, I got soul bumps. Same, bro. <laughs> soul bumps. Yeah. It's, it hit an L in the head, man. Honestly, yeah, it was the exact same. Um, but for me, it was like, it was, M- it was more so MDMA. Um, you know, like I took that happy tablet, I called it, you know, it made me happy. And I always thought that it produced the serotonin, but it doesn't. It actually mimics the serotonin molecule and binds to it and releases the serotonin in your brain. And, you know, it got to the point where I wanted more. It went from one to two to three to four to five. And then it got to the point where I did like 10 caps in one sitting. 
Holy. and that's a gram and you know got to that point where i was addicted to it i relied on it every weekend it did anything happen when you t- took that many in one go yeah it did man like I, I overdosed like i couldn't i lost my eyesight i couldn't i couldn't walk um my body was just stiff and so sore and i was so dehydrated um i was dry reaching trying to vomit and all i could vomit up was like black bile bile yep. it was mm. disgusting but um i should have gone to hospital but i was you know like i had that um i followed that stigma of society that you know it was i was a man you know i didn't i didn't ask for help you know so i didn't i didn't accept that help i didn't ask the um, for someone to take me to hospital, call an ambo, and yeah, I just b- went with it. Interesting fact there is that the fact that no one really forced you to do that either, by the sounds of it. Well, um, actually, my partner, because this happened at a festival, we were at Wild- Wildlands, mm. and my partner took me to the the medical bay, and that was the, the furthest old. She's like, "I'm going to call an ambulance," and I was like, "No, I don't need it." Okay, so I you were like it. turning it away. It. Like, yeah, I was refusing. I was, wasn't was willing to accept help. Whose voice was coming through when you were going through that? Who was that voice saying, don't do it, you pussy. Don't go to, don't get help. You don't need it. Was that your voice or was it someone that had ingrained that within you? Yeah, well, I guess it was a mixture of both. Yeah, absolutely both. Mm, yeah. Because what, what's coming through for me with you two right now, and this is the question I ask, is what kind of circle were you in within this? Because one... I'm I'm hearing that not many people offered to help you when you were going through that. And, you know, I, I understand when you're at a festival, everyone's having a good time and stuff. But, you know, when you're in a good circle of good friends, the first thing they'll notice is one of their boys is struggling. Mm. Yeah, They want to look after them. But, you know, Scousy, like what was your experience with the, the group of friends that you were around when you were going through your stuff? Like, um, So at the time, I think it was very supportive because they're doing the same thing as me and I was getting a release from this, from the way I was feeling because I wouldn't say I experienced an overdose like that um mum was just more of every single day get up so i was addicted to the main one was weird i always bring it back to weed so i'd smoke like up to seven grams a day at least but on top of that i was just taking like prescription pills um poly pills um synthetic weed i smoked synthetic weed for a long time it's like this incense stuff that makes you hallucinate um even smoked ice went to school on ice and speed and things like that so you could say that the environment that I was in was also in a struggle. So I'm unsure if I can pinpoint that they were in the wrong also because I was also influencing them as much as they were influencing me. Of course, as vice versa, right? It's like back and forward. Mm, That's interesting. And and that's in, I guess, the same old saying, which I've recently learned, which the biggest thing that hasn't gone away from me is everyone's doing what they can with what they know. Mm. Yeah, it's the level of awareness. Of course, man. You know, and these kids... we're kids, right, when we go through these things. So I can't really resonate with a lot of it because I never really went through those experiences, but I was around it. Mm. And my biggest thing was that I I always felt like an outsider because of it. So I remember you saying just before that you felt like, yeah, you, you, those conditioned beliefs went away and mm. that was always in the back of my head. I was always like, nah, drugs are bad. Mm. I'm a loser if I do drugs, all this sort of thing. And it was a lot of judgment, right? Mm. When I'm like, man, I could have just had some fun. Yeah, experienced it. Maybe everyone dabbles, right? Mm. Whoever says like anything about it, it's like you can't sit there and judge because we know that ninety nine percent of the population has dabbled at some point. Mm. <laughs> like that's just the fact of it. Yeah. Um, but you know, knowing all that and experiencing that, I saw these things and I really started to get it, like, interested into it. Mm. But then my addiction came from other places. Mm. I actually loved being in a place of pain, 
my addiction was pain. I don't know what it was, but I loved hurting. I loved having injuries. I loved playing football and getting hurt. I loved, and I know it sounds silly, right? But to me, I got love. It was the tension. Yeah. So would Absolutely. you say, is that what it brought it back to was love? You felt like people started to see you, would you say? I reckon so. It was almost like it was a selfish kind of addiction. It was something that, and not to say I didn't get love because I had incredible people in my life, but I think because I saw myself as the quiet kid, the loser kid, didn't really get much attention even though I was tall and stuff, me internally was like, hmm, maybe this is cool. When I, when I'm, when I say I'm hurt or something and everyone's like, oh, are you okay? What's been happening? Mm. I look back and it, this is only just coming up now and I'm like, man, I think I did a lot of that because I love the attention that come with it. Mm. And that's it. And getting love and feeling love are two separate things. Ooh, mm. yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, that's I really love that. Mm. So what sort of feelings came up when you were in those, I guess, sessions? Mm. You know, what were you moving through when you were, you know, say smoking weed or whatever pills you were taking? What sort of stuff came up for you? Was it very? Was it a good time, or was it like you'd go into your emotions? Like no, every day was a party. So yeah. like every single day, because I've never really experienced a come down. If you think about it, from I'll say because the age of eleven I started, and from the age of thirteen is when the addiction started. So like eleven till thirteen, which is more like when I can get it, I'm not really around it. But thirteen, it came in my face like all the time. Like it was nonstop. I could actually get something. So from the age of thirteen all the way until eighteen, it was like yeah. I forgot the question. That was flew out of my head. <laughs> no, no. So, what what sort of emotions came up yeah. when you were on that? Because yeah, we can we can attach emotions to these addictions and these vices. So, I've talked about it before, where um, basically we've you know we can get attached to gambling, say, or alcohol, or sorry about that, guys. We just had to come back in. We've uh, we've had a purchaser rock up at the door. That's cool. That's cool. But yeah, talking about the emotions that are attached to these vices, you know, the reasons why people do cocaine, they slap on the pokies, they drink for days on end. You know, what sort of emotions were you working through? Um, so at the time it was mainly anger because I said earlier, like how I always got labeled as crazy, rebellious, so he's acting out. So it felt like it was my antidote to anger. So every time I did the drugs, I felt calm. I felt in the environment where I was having fun, partying, um, kicking back, you know, like, it just felt like a routine that I never wanted to leave because it felt like a place where I belonged. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, and that's that makes sense because it's like, say when you're part of a football team, there's that sense of family. Mm. There's that sense of, yeah, I'm supposed to be a part of this. And same question to you, Xavier. What sort of emotions was your attachment to the addiction trying to work through something were you going through mental health issues was it just being a part of the cool crew was it what what was the main thing came up for you well yeah it was running from my issues absolutely like i battled with depression for so long and for me it was that chasing that happiness you know it was the the mdma gave me that happiness that i didn't experience in my day-to-day life and yeah gave me an excuse to do it um and but I definitely I definitely had a good environment like I had great friends but um they were also into that stuff as well so you know it was like we come together and we basically lowered ourselves to to each other's standard and we done that together and mm. yeah it was definitely escaping from our issues our, our shadow um yeah and that was their way of working through it right yeah now, now that we know all these different tools and stuff that we use to work through some of these things, as we said before, these are the things that you knew and that's what you did. Yep. And the MDMA is actually 
deeply tied to our heart chakra. It opens up your heart. And quite often when we went on these sessions, we went on these benders, went to these festivals, we would do these, do these drugs and would just open up to each other. You know, it was trauma bonding. That's what yeah, it was. It was trauma bonding. And it wasn't creating actual connection. It wasn't, you know, it was, yeah, that trauma bonding. This is a big mistake that we make today is bonding through our trauma and not actually mm. creating that connection through other ways. Yeah, 100%. raising each other up and talking about these other positive things rather than just like focusing purely on the sadness that we're dealing with or have dealt with yeah. or haven't actually dealt with at all because we're still just sitting within it, right? Yeah, that's it. And then like I relate to that because I'll be around a group of people and I was doing it so I could escape from reality even though i was in the circle of people doing it with the same people continuously but i was always doing it to escape so i was always going somewhere else even though i was in the collective of people so it was always an escape mm. so that was an amazing tangent by the way boys <laughs> <laughs> coming back to your story bro like going right. through school and everything what what transpired as you started moving through there did you start to get in trouble with like the cops or anything like that or was there some issues that started to arise because of the the lifestyle you were living yeah so mainly everything results back to home life i'd say so when we moved to australia um it was me mom dad brother sister and then by the time i was in queensland it was just me and mom so everyone just separating scattered across like back to the uk like my brother and dad went back there sister lives in adelaide and it was just mom up here but mum was going through a lot of her own trauma at the time with both her parents passing. She's flying back and forth from the UK like every month or two. So like she was going through her own stuff. So I was always at home by myself essentially as well. So when going into school and things like that, I started rebelling because I felt like I had no one around me. So I felt like the only way I could get attention or feel like someone would see me is by acting out and things like that as well. So at school, I wouldn't say I was a classic clown. I wasn't like that. I was just more so of if someone would tell me to do something, I'd be like, no, and just like go hardcore 100% the other way because I was like, well, this is my way of reacting to what's happening in my life at home. Everyone else is going to feel it because I wasn't, un- I wasn't sure of how to actually cope through this. So then through school, I, it came to a point where I'd only rock up at like 11 o'clock every day because 11 o'clock was first break, like lunch break. So I'd go <laughs> just to play handball with the boys. Have a sick time. Yeah, yeah. Play handball, you know, <laughs> kick some shit. And yeah. then go to one lesson after that. And then second break will come, now I'll go home. So through that, you know, I'd wake up, wake and bake, go to school at 11, leave school, and just go sesh straight away again. It just became a repeat like that until at the end of year 11, the school ended up expelling me because I wasn't consistent. I wasn't respectful. I wasn't doing the work. And if anything, I was just causing more trouble rather than actually making an impact and adding value as well. Damn, man. And how I'm sure both you could see that that's a very common thread. Mm. A very common thread for a lot of kids to go through that and especially the way they deal with home life. Mm. You know, we're dealing with these things that, like I I personally have had a fairly normal upbringing with mum and dad staying together and, you know, all that sort of thing. So for me to hear these things, I love it because it makes me see another side of life. Mm. 100%. Like when you say about there's so many kids that go through this that you may not understand. Like I I work full time for youth mental health and the amount of cases I see reoccurring with this stuff is just, it's unbelievable. Like it's literally a generational cycle and if one generation doesn't break that cycle, it continues. So I think bringing the awareness is huge to that too because you can open people's eyes to maybe there is something else I can do. Maybe there is a healthy alternative. Because for me, when I started drugs, it was because of the first ever time I felt, wow, I'm not crazy. I'm not this label. 
because I didn't understand that there was something else out there for me to tap into to not have those feelings anymore rather than the drugs. I could actually do things like mindfulness, gym, etc. Like there's so many other things out there that I wasn't aware of. So at the time, I only abused what I knew. Mm. That touching on that, how the fuck do we not have a class in school that teaches us about that? Mm. Some basic tools to deal with mental health issues you will go through because of things at home, in life, whatever. Yeah, like we had a guidance counselor at our school. I didn't know the person. We had a chappy, but you don't go to the chappy to play PlayStation. Yeah, so yeah. Like there wasn't any talk around mental health. And if anyone ever talked back or if someone was going through something in school, rather than trying to help that person out, you get punished. And when you get punished, it makes you want to push back even more. Of course. It's that whole thing where it's just like they try and push forward, but it's only pushing you back. So I think we have to bring something within the system to bring that, um, bring something within the gap to bring people together rather than push them apart. Mm, the only time that my school touched on mental health was actually um, the two times people had committed suicide. Mm. So it took for it to get to that extent for them to bring up these counselling sessions and to offer this guidance, you know. Like so it was a reaction more so than a prevention. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Absolutely. How common is that too with a lot of situations? It's like, let's just wait until something really bad happens. Oh, then we'll fix it. Or yeah. not fix it, but just say what we're supposed to say, right? Yeah. It's like an obligation. You know, mm. if they truly gave shit about it. I actually found it recently through my mate Leon Stensholm that we on the Sunshine Coast have the highest suicide rate out of the whole of Australia. Mm. Well, how true that is, I'll have to double check that because I don't want to be just shouting out random facts. But <laughs> yeah. um, he actually said specifically it's in the Mountain Creek area. Mm. That's the school I went to. Wow. Man, so I know, and I know, I've only just recently learned that there's a few people that went to my school that are really struggling. And there has been a few people that have committed suicide. Mm. And to not even know about it, that hurts me, bro, because to think that you were actually probably within these people's presence at one point in your life, and now they're not here because they didn't get the right help. They didn't have someone to talk. They didn't have, they couldn't be heard, right? And I know us three have been through our fair share of mental health experiences and probably still are. You know, and I'm still working through some of my stuff. We all, I think it's a continuous journey. Absolutely. To practice. Know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I actually said to someone today um, that we're getting a bit upset that, you know, they just want to be better. They just want to help people. They'd want to be sorted and healed. I'm like, look, if you can accept the fact that it's never going to stop, and just be at peace with that and actually be at peace with the process. I think that's the beautiful journey of it. Mm. You know, no one's ever truly healed, right? Mm. You can't say anyone's this like God who's raised above everyone else who isn't suffering at some point in their life. It doesn't mean that you can't go help someone maybe through your experiences you've experienced. Yeah. Because exactly. I know that's what you're doing now. Yeah, well, 100%. Mm. Most of the time, you don't have to be an expert. You just got to be there. Yeah. All you got to do is be literally a physical presence within someone to hold the space for them. That's all you need. You don't need to have a degree in psychology yep. and stuff like that to actually help people. You know, all you gotta do is just be genuine, listen, and give them feedback if they request that. If not, just let them have a shoulder to talk to. Isn't it crazy that you will get critiqued because you're trying to help people within that space too? Mm, I got pushback um, when I started mental health experience. Yeah, right. Yeah, so some dude from um, where I grew up in Queensland, he saw me. He's like, "Oh, you're the dickhead that does stuff for mental health." I was just, I, yeah, I looked at him, I was like, breathe, I breathed, and I was like, 
okay. <laughs> now I've walked off. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> oh, like, good oh. on you, brother. And that he would he would not have known how to do like what to do after you gave that reaction too. Yeah, because like it was at the pub, so I could see like he was pissed and he's just trying to you know probably guess something out of me. But I just sat there, I looked down, I was like, okay, man, you're going for your thing, and that's why you probably see this as something that you're scared of. Because you're, you're going for this yourself. This is a reflection of something that you're trying to get through in your own life. So instead of attacking me, you could ask me questions, you could speak to me, but until people are ready, they're ready. Of course, yeah. And that's the biggest thing I noticed as soon as I started doing this stuff in my tech talks. And I had people saying, what's your qualifications? You can't be doing this. Like all these sort of things. I'm like, look, I also understand. I get my scope of practice. Mm. I know that, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, all these people have a place. I'm not saying they don't, but I'm also saying that I have helped people and I am helping people mm. to the degree that I can. Yeah. If I feel they need to be sent elsewhere, I will do that. Do you guys think that puts a pressure on society in terms of thinking you need a degree to help people and that kind of creates a resistance to why sure. people hold back from helping people? For mm. sure, because they don't want to be judged. Yeah. Like, oh, why did you talk to her? She's got severe mental health issues. Mm. And, but maybe you just talking to her and being an ear for an hour just saved her life. Mm. Literally. Or Absolutely. him. You know? 100%. And how can people but also like you just said, it's kickback from their own internal I guess they're looking at it like, Oh, why is he talking about this? I don't want it to have to come up for me. I don't want to hear these things being talked about. I'm going through that. I don't want to hear about it. And I know I've got people in my life that I've talked to that have been through some fucking horrible trauma, man. And they said they wanted to speak into it on social media because mm. they want it to be normalized. Mm and spoken into because then it becomes this thing that people are aware of. It's not just shunted into the back corner of the cupboard mm. and people just forget that it exists because that makes other people feel uncomfortable. We are fa- we are made to feel bad because like, oh, you can't talk about that in public. Yeah. Why are you talking about that? Mm. Like, yeah, we- it's like, sh- sh- it's like, yeah, the doctors, you know, when you're in the doctor's waiting room, everyone's whispering and talking. It feels like that, you know, when oh, you yeah. to <laughs> talk about it in a public space, like it's, it's good now because it is starting to come more open. Like I was saying, I think I said to you before, like there's a huge awakening up in the Sunshine Coast. So I feel like the opportunity Ooh, yeah. to talk is there. But it's not at the point at the moment where it's completely open for everyone. I agree. And it's actually, this is a great question for you, Xavier. Since you've started hanging more up here on the Sunshine Coast, is there a difference between here and Deception Bay? Absolutely. And level of awareness. Yep. Um, collective consciousness you know the groups all the groups up here collective consciousness like everyone's aware everyone's in the same sort of space like and bringing these issues forth whereas around d-bay and brisbane i don't i'm not aware of any groups that are are like this or is there one coming Mm, there's one coming yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. uh and that's beautiful because it starts somewhere right yeah and then that ripple effect happens yeah which, you know, we'll get to at some point in this chat. But, um, you know, knowing that you experienced all those things, what was your experience like going through school and, you know, dealing with the people around you and the circumstances that happened? Did you get to a point where you had to deal with kickback, you know, around your drug addiction and that sort of thing? Mm, Kickback in what regard? Like, did you get caught by the cops or anything? Did your parents, like, like punish you for anything or... Mm. No, my parents were, I feel like I made my parents aware that I was doing these things. Okay. But I did feel a lot of shame because um, during my upbringing, um, we were in New Zealand, um, we grew up around 
a lot of gangs and a lot of um, violence and drugs. And that was just the area that we lived in. And um, once my dad had passed away, um, my mum tried to move us straight to Australia to get away from all of that stuff. And then, you know, I felt a lot of guilt um, for going back down that track. You know, mum moved us away from this and here I am going back down it. But um, my brother also um, went down a similar path of drugs and drug addiction and he too nearly overdosed and um, he actually got um, epilepsy from doing drugs so much. So yeah, um, definitely felt a lot of kickback in regards from myself, not from external. Yeah, right. So it's like you saw that and then that made you think, well, maybe this isn't the greatest path to be going down because mm. it was more the party drug stuff, right? Like it's the intense stuff. Yeah, yeah. Man, and it's it's interesting to see two very different stories, right? Like obviously coming from two different countries, coming to Australia. <laughs> but do you feel like culturally or community-wise when you started moving around these different places – was there a massive difference between the experience within those crews or was it all a very similar vibe as to why people were doing it? No, nah, because I was attracted to who I was. So I was attracted. Frequencies. Yeah, so the person I was, I attracted those exact people around me. Yep. So in England, you know, like it was similar to where you grew up, um, a lot of drugs, violence and criminal activity, like it was full on. So when I grew up like that, I was surrounded by that in England. Moved to Adelaide, surrounded by that. Moved to Queensland, surrounded by that. So it's more so with who I identify myself as at that time, I'll identify my surroundings with that too. Wow. Let that one sink in because whoever's listening to this, that can go the complete opposite way too. Mm. If you want to be a high vibrational human that's got good people in your life, that is 100% possible. Mm. Also, if you keep attracting dead shits into your life, as in the partners and the friends and that sort of thing, that is purely a reflection of where you're at. Mm. You know, so sometimes it's it's hard to control, for sure. I was like to say, how you love yourself is how you teach others to love you. Yeah, love that. Yeah, so how you want to show up in the world, you'll attract the exact same amount of people around you because what you put out there is what you get back. Yeah, it's your boundaries. mm. It's your self-worth. And shouting out Bob Proctor who just passed away in the last Mm. week. He's actually the guy that got me on this path of understanding manifestation and frequencies and vibration and, you know, knowing that, yeah, when you're on a certain frequency, you will attract the same type of people and the same type of things. Mm. You know, he talks about being able to manifest money into your life. Oh, fucking know if you can. Yeah. Again, frequencies. Yeah, you well, know, that's, that's the thing. That's a, a lovely term is currency is the current C. It's the energetic thing. Ooh. Absolutely. It's the wordplay, you know. Damn. You've always got some really good wordplay. <laughs> I, I, I love your why. What hurt you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. to understand that that's why a lot of us, well, I know that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because it's what hurt me. I don't want people to go through that same shit. Mm. But I also want them to feel that feeling of that day that I realized my purpose. Holy. Mm. Could, could you guys say that you're on that path or like, Mm. Scousey, would you say that you you have now feel you're on your purpose? 100% for the last, started four years ago. Mm. Mm. Yeah, let's get back to your story. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you're obviously in Australia now, you're going through this, you're going through a lot of issues with your family and dealing with that. Mm-hmm. How the hell did you get out of it? What, what was the turning point of, okay, I'm now going to be this incredible man that's going to help with mental health issues mm. and all these other beautiful things? So I'll tell you the build up because there was a build up from my mind started to think, all right, maybe we should start looking at something else in life to the point where I quit. So I started off, I worked at a job where I worked as a kitchen hand, chefing and things like that. Worked there for two years, 
the one day I went sober, my boss complained, my manager complained to my boss that I was high. The one day I was sober. <laughs> because I was... Yeah. He's different today. That's <laughs> 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 almost Jai, because he was, he was my head chef at the time. But yeah, the one day I went sober, she went up to my head chef and was like, why is Ryan acting weird? Is he high? Should I, should I kick him out? <laughs> and they made Jai look, he's like, he's actually not high. Like, I'm telling the truth. So that's when I, when I heard that, I was like, holy shit, like maybe... When I'm sober, maybe I'm weird. Well, maybe I don't know who I am or like what's going on. So that kind of tricked my mind to thinking maybe there's something else out there. Maybe I need to try and prove to people that I can get off these drugs. So that's where the first four came in. And then fast track, probably about six months later, schoolies came. And I just went mental. Like I was popping like 15 pills a day, lines of everything, drinking, weed, everything you can think of for like a week straight. Slept about four hours, ate about nearly nothing. Like it was a crazy week. Got back from schoolies and I was like, holy shit, like I'm feeling it. I was started to be, I was like 62 kilos, 63 kilos at the time, very thin. Looking in the mirror, I was just pale. My face was just dry and skinny and I was like, holy shit. I even took a photo, I'll show you the photo later, but I took a photo of that moment when I was looking in the mirror. I was like, I need to start changing something, but I never did. You know, I was like, oh, all right, I'll quit. Wake up the next morning, an hour will go by. I'm like, this is too hard, get back on it. So then for about three to four months later, I mean, three to four months straight, ended up being, I went to this house party one night, got real drunk, went back, got high as shit, fell asleep, woke up, and I couldn't speak, my whole throat was just clogged with shit, and I was like, I've tried to, um, I tried to light a joint, I couldn't even inhale the first part of it, because my throat was just so clogged, I was like, alright, I need to go home, I need to go rest, I'll come back later, the whole day, I remember I went home, the whole day I slept, and I was like, alright, and I woke up the next morning, by three in the morning, it was too early to get on, so I was like, all right, maybe I'll just chill out for the rest of the morning. It got to like 10 o'clock, fell back asleep, wake up. Then before I knew it, I was two days sober. I was like, holy shit. And I was like, I need to try and keep this going. So I ended up going back to my mate's place and they're all doing it. And I'm sitting there like trying to quit. I'm like, fuck, what am I doing here? I was like, I need to try and stay strong. I need to try and stay strong. So I started smoking ciggies. Like I never, the only time I'd smoke ciggies before this is when I'm just like mixing with weed. So I was like, all right, I'll just smoke ciggies to try and help me not smoke the weed, not do all this other shit. So that's how, at that time, that's what helped me. I don't recommend people to start smoking ciggies. But but that was your alternative. That was my alternative yeah. at that time was to be like, all right, I need to do something that's going to be consistent and that's going to help me be around this but not be involved with it. Damn. And then that's when I quit weed. So I didn't quit drugs at this stage. I quit weed because weed was my main thing. It was every single day, like morning, midday, night. That's very common, hey? I find that in any you know realms within the drug society yeah. it's like weed is the go-to it's yeah. like an everyday thing it's like i need this shit to get mm. by and it can be same with alcohol yeah mm. you know i stuff. know yeah i know at some point there i was drinking every weekend mm. every weekend because that was my escape i was like the weekends are the only time i'm happy because i forget who i am yeah it's my escape from my trav mm. my other escape actually shit i did have an addiction gaming Gaming, yeah. Gaming was my addiction, mm. for sure. I look at it and I'm like, fuck man, there was times where mum and dad would have parties at their house and it's like family, friends and everything coming over. I would lock myself in my room, mm-hmm. close my curtains and I would just game that whole time they're there. Yeah. Didn't want to come out and talk to everyone because that was around the same time I quit football. So turned down that Broncos contract and I was like, yep, I'm just going to work from home or whatever. Got a job at IGA, my local small country town. Mm. So that identity crisis started. So I didn't want to meet people and have them ask that question. Like, what are you doing now? Mm. You just finished school. Are you in uni? Are you doing these things? What job have you got? Yeah. You know, to avoid all that, I just 
fucking avoided everyone. Mm, avoid reality. For sure, man. And I became these gaming characters. Mm. Played PlayStation every day. Played NBA. Mm. Fell in love with basketball. Started to actually get outside more because I wanted to play basketball. Yeah. So that was my crutch as well. Go out, play basketball every day. I still do it now. Not as much as I'd like to. But that those alternatives, man, you know, an addiction doesn't have to be, say, drugs, alcohol. Mine also was always porn. Mm. And I'm sure a lot of men, that's something that you were going to bring up too, Zave. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I see you got a few notes down. That's good. Yeah. What was what would you say if you're not talking about drugs? Was there an addiction there? I know gaming was one for you, right? Yeah, drugs, alcohol, gaming, porn, anything I could get my hands on to avoid what I was feeling internally. Just yeah, everything to avoid what I was feeling. Um, I I could masturbate like a minimum four times a day, mm. and you know I'd be I'd still need that. To keep going, I'd, I'd need more, more. Give me more, give me more. Just that little release, right? Yeah, that release. Is it dopamine? But dopamine or serotonin? Um, I think I I'm not. Remember. I'm not definite on this one. Dopamine, yeah, yeah. I'm not definite. And that lasts um, very short time, man. Yeah. It's like, yes. but they get that, like, yes, I feel better. Oh, now I don't. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that release, hey. Yeah, we're well, doing other stuff on top of this. Like we're doing the gaming as well, and then the drugs. Yeah, I was doing it all. I was doing all. Absolutely, Fuck, just yeah. that chemical release in every aspect yeah because absolutely gaming definitely releases some of those chemicals too mm-hmm. and, um oh sorry you're right you go um, and similar sense to you man like it took to the it took the point for me to get really sick for me to stop all of it so i got i got really sick and i was sick for about a month straight with like this disgusting cold man like i had um my my lymph nodes and my tonsils were swollen. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't swallow water. I couldn't eat. Um, yeah. I couldn't smoke weed. Um, I couldn't swallow the tablets. Um, I couldn't get out of bed to play games because I was just bedridden, man. I was, and like snot was just drooling out of my nose. It was disgusting. But I was sick like that for like a month straight. Mm. And it took me to get to that point to actually come off of it all. And that's when my why become bigger than my how and that's that's when you can achieve anything is when your why becomes greater than your how mm. that's cool and it's it's funny there's a very common thread here again where i believe all three of us and probably a lot of people and a lot of guests that i've um interviewed it takes a catalytic moment mm. sometimes it could be nearly dying you know mine was nearly killing myself mm. to to realize that i had to change but again like you said before Ryan, it's like you went one day and you're like, or one hour and you're like, oh fuck, this is too hard. Mm. I lasted maybe a couple of weeks after that and oh, I'm going to change my life, going to do this, this and this. It's like, it's almost like the universe provides you the situation or the reality check mm. for you to see it and then change. Some people just avoid it or don't hear it. Yeah. And I think mine again happened again with my fiance leaving me and then fuck, same week, tore my knee up, like ACL meniscus, fractured patella. Mm. I was in my darkness again they need to put us in that dark right to come out of the like the phoenix rising that hero's journey happens multiple times it's just whether people actually continue on so um coming back to yours yeah. that hero's journey was obviously in full effect yeah you know so like, like it was the build-up man it was literally like it wasn't overnight yeah it was literally like a build-up from about it was probably years bro i was like maybe you should stop and i was like nah brushed it off there's probably a six-month period where i actually had that realization where i was like all right i need to try and try and figure this out i need to start so when I did get sick um, and I got off weed, 
I was like, it wasn't easy at first, but it made it easier because I substituted it with other drugs. I started taking more pills. I started experimenting with every single type of pill out there. And I got addicted to like, oh, I want to try like a red Mitsubishi. And I want to try a green golden crown. <laughs> like, you know, what like, the fuck is like, all this? <laughs> like just any pill with like a different prints and colors and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right. And things like that. I just got excited about different pills and like acid tabs and um, everything that just tripped me out. I was like, all right, cool. Like, we'll just do all this then instead of weed because weed's a bad one. And what, I was, what I was doing, I was lying to myself to continue my habits. Of course. So I did that from about, just to give you the time scale, I quit weed in February. Then I quit weed, all drugs in September that same year. So from February to September, I just went nuts. I went, we'll go to the valley on like a Monday, Tuesday night just to get smashed and then go back for Friday, Saturday, Sunday again to repeat and then go in the house parties and things like this. It was just nonstop. And then... I remember on my 18th birthday, we're all at an apartment in the valley and um, the cops, I'm trying, I want to say this story properly about incriminating people. (laughs) 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 I'm going to make sure I wear this properly. So it was just, I'll say it's me and friends at my 18th birthday. Cops came up. There's a lot of stuff in the apartment. Luckily, um, no stuff was found because there was no stuff there. And then the cops left. But for me, that was a scary moment because I was like, holy shit, if we got caught, I'm fucked. I'm Life could have been over, I'm right? In, I'm in jail yeah. because of this shit. And then that was a big wake-up call. Of like, all right, just because you're off weed doesn't mean you keep doing this shit. Like, you need to stop everything in total. So I woke up on the um, Monday morning after that weekend off my 18th birthday, and I just felt depressed, as you do, you know, after a big bender. And I was like, all right, I just need to feel the emotions for this week. Luckily, I didn't. Um, have a job at the time because I was actually able just to process the week lying in my bed and feel sorry for myself and then that weekend came and there was my, one of my best mates um, 18th birthday as well so I was like oh maybe I've got to go out and get on it again but then I went there I saw everyone getting on it and I was like if I did this with weed I can do this with any other drug I was like alright let me be around this I'll smoke my cigarettes and I won't do it and I did it and I've been clean since damn mm. so how long ago was that um September 2015. Seven years, I yeah. I mean, not September, February, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Damn, man. So how did you get into this space of working with kids and mental health and stuff? I know I know a little mm. bit of the story, but to go from that, it's mm. a, you know, that's day and night, man. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I'll give you a bit of a, more of a story added to that just to explain why I'm doing what I'm doing as well. So when I quit the drugs, I smoked cigarettes for about a year. And then once um, I smoked cigarettes for a year, I decided right, I need to quit this now because this is also damaging me. I need to stop doing all this shit that's hurting me. So I gave up the cigarettes, but also in that time period from quitting drugs, I was 18. And then, um, so from 18 to 21, that's when all my mental health hit me because from the age of 11 till 20, and um, sorry, from the age of 11 till 18, all my emotions were suppressed. My mental health was suppressed. I never felt really depression unless I came down. Never felt anxiety because I was never sober. I was always high. So from 18 to 21, all these emotions came back into my life and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Oh yeah, here's reality. Yeah, here's reality. <laughs> yeah, you got to face all this. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is hectic. Like I don't know what's going on because usually I just get high and all this is gone. But now it's like, I've got to face this. I made a choice to be sober. I made a choice to try and better myself. So I felt, I went through those emotions and um, yeah, I started going to the gym full time. I just became addicted to the gym, working out, exercising and got really fit. And that's what helped me really the most get through all those battles with mental health as well. I got to the point where 
I couldn't leave my bedroom to speak to my best mate when they come to my house because I'd be in my room shaking non-stop. Like, I'd be like, Bill will come to my house. I'd be sitting in my room like this, but like, don't let him come in the room. So I couldn't leave the bedroom. I was just freaking out. But gym and getting myself out the house more and getting in social places where I could speak is what helped me get through that. That's a big one because I believe we can relate this to the gym. You know, same thing for me. When I was when I was fit, when I was training, when I was focused on that, it helped a lot. But it becomes a crutch as well, right? Mm. You know, what what happened to people last year and the year before when the gym shut down? Mm. What what were mm, people able to do? They couldn't they couldn't escape those feelings they had escaped because of the gym. Mm, they got taken away from them. Yeah. yeah and then there was a lot of lot more suicides, right? Mm, hundred. Which blows my mind that they shut them down when it was like helping health. But anyway. Mm. Um, and it also blows my mind that they kept Maccas and KFC open. <laughs> and bottlers. Oh, dude. And yeah. bottlers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think brothels were even open for a bit. <laughs> Fucking hell. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and it's like they're guiding us down that path to, no, this is how you're supposed to feel dopamine and serotonin and all these other good shit. Mm. Not that other stuff that might be free, such as breathing mm. or meditating or eating some good food. Mm. That makes no sense, right? Yeah. But, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about the mental health issues all three of us would have went through because I know all three of us have got some stories. So, mm. You know, we speak about anxiety and what I was going to relate it to was when you go to the gym, you get stronger, right? The more reps, more sets you do, the heavier the weights. I've found, and this is the biggest thing that worked for me was whatever scared the shit out of me, I needed to go towards it. Because mm. as soon as I got out of that comfort zone, every time I did it, it got easier. It got easier. I got stronger. My anxiety was like slowly starting to think, oh, this dude's getting swole. I can't handle him anymore. And it to this point, man, where now... Nothing really scares me mm. because as we spoke before this, you know, Zave, you can speak into this, how nervous you would have been before the video you did like a week ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, my intention for this year, because I, I didn't set any goals for this year, I set intentions and my intent, one of my intentions was to seek discomfort because in comfort, uh, in discomfort is where we grow. Mm. That's where our biggest growth happens. But yeah, absolutely, you know, um, putting yourself in those uncomfortable positions is when you'll fucking blossom. Mm, I know mine changed when I started working at Rebel Sport. You know, I was in a job where I had to meet people. I had Mm. to talk to people. I had to get good at listening to talking, all those things, all those things that I was scared of. And everyone's always asking for these like, oh, what's your tools and your tips and your tactics and things like that. I'm like, look, honestly, I want to give you this really cool, like Mm. special secret that helped me. But it was just a lot of hard work. Mm, hundred you know like i'm sure you can resonate with that it's like it's just day-to-day grind similar going to the gym where you want to get a six-pack or whatever it might be mm. you have to get through that tough stages before you get to that point you can be like ah yeah you gotta put that work in yourself hey for sure and it's never ending there's mm. there's still times where i might it might come back up a little bit because i also believe that when you as you get through your discomfort it's still there yeah it just gets bigger and hangs around at higher levels you know, I don't think there's ever this point where you're like, oh, okay, now I never get uncomfortable about anything. It's just that the challenges get more hectic than they were a year ago or two years ago. Yeah. It's growth, yeah. Of course. Absolutely, As gross. we were saying before, the frequencies get higher, right? Mm-hmm. And the responsibilities of what I'm doing, especially, they get bigger and bigger because the impact I'm having is getting bigger and bigger. Mm. I'm supposed to be tested to become better and better for the people that are going to be listening and maybe being influenced by certain words that we're saying and just taking that responsibility and running with it. I never thought I'd be a leader. Mm. And then when I did that ripple effect day, man, when I watched what we could do for those people and for you guys, yeah, 
you know, you were both attending. Um, what was it like being there and watching like people like ourselves leading those people to these like, like the d- dude, you at the end of the day, Xavier, you look like a different man. <laughs> you know, like look at what you did there. You, yeah. The shit that you spoke into and after the breath work. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, um, like a lot of my life I've struggled with depression and um, I lost my dad to suicide and I lost my little brother to suicide and that was um, what got brought up a lot on that day for me. How did you feel saying that, by the way, in front of 112 people or whatever it was? Um, I was extremely nervous, but I felt the biggest sense of relief mm. doing talking into it. Did you feel that physically? It was like something left you when you yeah, said that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to bring that up because that's something I'd always tell people. It's like, listen or feel how good it feels when you talk about your shit. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's all it takes sometimes. Talk. Even fucking writing it into a journal. Speaking of, Stillness Every Day by the Pottery <laughs> Studio is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> shout out. Shout out. Shout, shout out, out to my man. sponsors. Um, but dude, like, how did that feel physically? You literally felt lighter after that? I felt, man, I felt like someone just lifted the weight of the world off my shoulders, man. I felt phenomenal. And to see and feel the amount of support that I experienced on that day, like, just goes to show you that you're not fucking alone. Like, we we go through our lives telling ourselves that we're alone and that we can't do this and we can't do that. But, man, like, you fucking can because... Everyone around you supports you and we're all in this shit together at the end of the day. Mm, that is a big one. And that's when we talk about the collective on the Sunshine Coast, this is one thing that resonates with me when you say those sort of things. My first experience of going down to a stillness on a Sunday with the Cool To Be Conscious boys, Ruin Rai, Toddy, you know, all those amazing facilitators, you just felt held. Mm. Like to watch that community grow from like what twenty people one yeah. week to like a hundred and next week and then a couple hundred and just that effect that it has on people that are coming there to meet strangers because you do that's the other thing we talk about right you're getting out of your comfort zone mm. you're being pushed you have to meet a complete stranger and stare him in the eyes yeah but that was awesome mm, hundred <laughs> it was awesome because you were with other people going through the same shit mm. there was that, no judgment yeah that's it they oh sorry bro no you're right um. I actually played futsal for Queensland for numerous years and, you know, I was so shy that I wouldn't even really speak to my teammates. I'd rock up to training, I'd train, get over and done with, leave. I'd go to the games, I'd play, I'd sit on the bench, not talk to anyone, you know, I'd maybe interact with the coach here and there. But I just had no confidence whatsoever and I was so shy. And then to just go to an event like the Ripple event and be able ripple effect event and be able to speak in front of 120 people like that speaks fucking levels man you know what i mean do you remember the faces that were looking at you and how it felt yeah absolutely absolutely like there was no it, judgment right it was, was just no everyone judgment. just like oh yeah. look at this dude yep look and at this dude empowerment mm. man you would have felt like martin luther king up in that bitch <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest the way you spoke was really good like you had no there was no tentativeness in your the way you spoke you spoke really well which is what's within you it was very clear as well yeah and it was with intention it was with passion and that's why i wanted you to do that video a couple of weeks ago because i know that's in you yeah and i know that's when you and you we said you did that primal scream before it now just for context guys i highly recommend 
anyone, if you've got some built up anger, tension, whatever it might be, mm. sadness, go into the bush somewhere pretty far away potentially <laughs> um, and just do a massive like yell like yeah. a scream like even yeah. if it's underwater right? underwater is good too yeah well, underwater is good mm-hmm. would you say you do like a few quite often or under the water yeah, yeah. in the pool because I have a pool at the house and obviously I live Perfect. with people in the suburban area so mm. yeah. actually I always do it under the pool and I actually sometimes meditate underwater Ooh. so what I do is you know because I've been trying to practice just my breath hold um, I don't do it to the point where I'm going to you know, pass out in the water, but I like going under the water because I can let that out, but also it's so peaceful, quiet, and still. So I like meditating under water. That's cool. Let's, and also, speaking about the event, mm. I just know watching and being a part of it myself, I could just feel, as we just said then, there was no judgment for one, but it was just this feeling of having almost like this giant family there with you on the day. Mm. Mm. And not many people have that. No. You know, I've got an incredible family and friends. 112 people too. Yeah. And that's why, like, in the group chat, I don't know if you noticed, but I use a bit of wordplay in there as well. It's like, I don't, I don't refer to them as f- just family. I re- refer to them as familiar. Mm. So it's about family, but L-I-A. So it's familiar family. Because, mm. you know, it's in a sense, like, you know, you come up to me that day and it's like, bro, I don't even know you, but I love you. And I was like, it's from past lives, man. It's, you know, it's familiar. La Familia. Mm. Yeah. Damn, I like that. And Ryan, your experience at the event, man. Um, Not to be scared of anger. Because like I was talking about earlier, the conditioned beliefs of being crazy and acting out and angry all the time that the labels I got put on me, when I started to get better on mental health and overcoming drug addiction, I always still thought that I can never enter anger. Because I thought if I entered anger, I'll become the old me that I once was. So once I got to that event and I could be in an angry state with a bunch of other males in the exact same state where we're all doing it for a purpose but also no physical whatsoever. It's all tension between eyes and energy. I felt that heaps and now that was like the biggest release on my shoulders because anger was the thing that was always like a chip on my shoulder. Because Judged of, for. Yeah, because of my past. But then when I was in that space, I felt like I, I got it off my shoulders. It was now gone. Wow. Mm. That's huge, man. To have an activity bring that out. Yeah. And I know the kid that I went against Spencer, you know, I really let some shit out because I'd been holding on to some stuff too. Mm. And he took it. But that opened up this whole new pathway for him to be able to stand up for himself, set boundaries, speak up when he's not happy, whatever it might be. Mm. And I know a lot of men had the same breakthrough too. So I'm just so excited to see the men that come through these events, man, especially the women that got to watch that from above. Mm. I really liked that aspect. That was powerful because the thing was, you know, especially conditioned beliefs and things like that, it was like never show anger in front of a woman, uh, respect type thing. That's the way I was grew up. Yeah. So have the women watch that as well and feel safe around it. It's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They felt like they were being protected. Yeah. There were these actual men that are going to stand up and fucking say something and, mm. you know, protect them from the dangers, especially in this world we're in now. Mm. They're the type of men we want. They're the type of men we need. Yeah. And we're helping create them. Mm. You know, you two are part of that. And I know the ripple effect is going through you because I know you, Everyone that I've met, they know that they've gone around speaking to their family, their friends, people they've met mm. about this event or what you've changed or what's changed within you. Yeah. 100%. Which is really cool. So, uh, you know, talking about our mental health issues, you started to go through your, your anxiety, your, your depression, every, everything within this story. Mm. Did you ever come to a, a point where you thought about um, committing suicide? Yeah. So suicide was never a planned thing for me. It yep. was literally 
Um, at the time, I had a partner, and it was the worst time to get into a relationship because I started dating her right after I quit drugs, and then she experienced the shit part of me that was going through all those type of situations. So I had a, an argument with my partner that night, and I just went for a walk, and I was just like, my head was chocker. And I lived at a place called Braby Elm. That's where I grew up in Queensland. And it's surrounded by beaches and water. I lived near a beach. I walked down to the beach, sat down there. I thought, I might just go walk into the water and see what happens. So I started walking in, and I started playing in my head while I'm walking through. I'm going to drown myself. I was like, fuck it. What's the point? I got to about knee deep, waist deep. As soon as I got there, I just broke down crying, shit myself, turned around, walked back to the beach and just bawled my eyes out on the water. But up until that point, man, when I was bawling my eyes out on the beach, I probably haven't cried within the last five years of doing that. Like wow. it, even up till now, at 24 years old, of how much growth I've gone through, I probably can't even remember like 10 times I've cried because I feel this urge with him. I still feel this physical block that stops me from crying, even though now I accept it. But physically, I still can't do it if I need to. But I cried the ripple effect. I cried that time with the suicide. Um, I cried that the Kill to Be Conscious full day event. Um, I can't really remember any other times. Wow, that's actually a really common thing. Mm. I've got mates. I was actually speaking to a really good one. And we were saying a few things. And she started to feel different. She was like, I don't know what's happening. She mm. was like, the energy's weird. I don't know what you're doing. And then... Uh, she randomly was talking, right? We are talking about something that was quite deep. Mm. She started crying. She didn't even realize. It was like her body, her physical body, right, was still talking to me and was just eyes locked on me, whatever. But this single tear just started coming down her eye. And I was like, dude, you realize you're crying? She's like, oh, what, really? And she like wiped her face and realized. And she was like, I had no idea. It was like something inside her was just screaming to come out. Yeah. But her consciousness was like, no, nah, no, nah, that's not happening. Mm. This isn't going to happen like this. We don't do this. We don't cry. Yeah. You know, and to think that that blockage led to potentially you almost killing yourself. Mm. Um, do you have those times now when you, do you feel like you get built up a lot and you need to release in different ways because you, you obviously don't find you can cry? Um, within the last two years, I've actually been quite just flow. Yeah. Like I haven't really felt don't have those moments. The only time that arises when I go to events, which is great because I need to get that out. I do need to get that out. So it's good that I have a space where I can go around people and express myself like that. But day to day life, I'm pretty just like just going along. I just go along with life because I do the daily practices to make sure I stay, you know, on that road. But obviously, you know, like every now and then I do have a day where I slump and I start looking myself in the mirror like, oh, you shit. And so those depressive thoughts come back. But then straight away, I just respond to it and then implement strategies. Because now I've been through so much that I know it's, it's a matter of time. As long as I implement my strategies, the only thing that's is in my way is time. I just got to flow through that. I love that. So coming back to your story. Yeah. <laughs> um, where were we at? Getting into had- mental health, yes. working in mental health. Yeah, yeah. So... I started mental health experience um, and men started mental health experience. The big thing about that, I never, I wouldn't even speak to my partner at the time or my mates really, what I was going through. Then I don't know where I started mental health experience of started speaking out social on social media about mental health and anxiety, depression. It's more so of me just advice that helped me and just putting it out there to help other people. And when I started mental health experience, a couple of months later, a lady messaged me on Instagram saying, I see mental health experience. I see you have a big heart and you really got a passion for helping mental health. You want to come and volunteer at a um, mental health housing. 
um, residential place up on the coast. And at, at the time, I was like, oh, I don't know, like still feeling sorry for myself and my situation. But I was like, you know, I feel like I've got a passion for this. Maybe I should go and try this out. So I went out to the coast, volunteered for the day. And when I was in there, I was like, I'm, I'm made for this. This is my calling. I volunteered there for about three months and then ended up getting employed. Now four years later, I'm here. You're running that place, aren't you? Where, oh, no, not the housing, no. So now I do case management for youth mental health right, right. on the um, hinterland side from the coast. So we service from Lensborough all the way up to Kimpy, everywhere in between. Damn, man. Do you feel like you could work in that sort of stuff, Dave? I Absolutely. Feel like, I Absolutely. feel like that's just hearing that. Yeah. I was like, man, that would be perfect for you. Because mm. I think that the people that have experienced it personally are going to be the best helpers, right? 100 because yeah. the thing I found with the place where I work, you know, like it's amazing to have qualifications because it gives you a really good understanding course, about yeah. balances, chemicals and things. The scientific the side of it. Yeah, yeah, but lived experience is huge because you know what it feels like. You know how you want someone to respond when you're going through something. Now, obviously, some people are different, but when you connect with people and you actually sit down, listen and try not to fix them, just be there for them and support them is huge because... In this type of work, you know, people think that everyone wants to be fixed. No, it's just being there to support instead. Oh, that hits different because um, my ex-partner, Tams, beautiful human, never really got into like self-development stuff, which is fine. You know, she really supported me within it. But mm. she, I remember her saying to me, she's like, Trav, you got to understand not everyone wants to or needs to be fixed. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that, that hit me. I was like, oh, you know what? Thank you. Yeah, I didn't take it as an attack. I didn't take it as a insecurity thing. I was like, "What do you mean? Oh, this is what I do." I was like, "No, thank you. I will listen to that and understand that I don't need to be going around and saying this to everyone because not everyone needs it or wants it." And the thing is, you know, if you keep that mindset that you want to fix people, and then they end up doing the opposite to that, it can affect you in a negative way, and you start feeling like, "What did I do wrong?" But in terms of you start looking at more of as you want to support these people, no matter which direction they go with the support, either way, you're still going to support them through it. Rather than trying to fix them. Of course. And everyone's journey is different, man. You know, like uh, everyone's got it within them. You know, even the ripple effect. We don't, that's not us fixing you. Mm. That's just helping us. That's us helping you realize that you have it within you. Mm. You have the tools and the experiences and everything within you to get to where you want to be. It's just helping you along the way and supporting you. Supporting, yeah. Because I started off, um, I worked in residential housing for about six months. So it was like, it was 12 residents um, with diagnosis of um, predominantly schizophrenia. And then from that, I transitioned to case management as well over in um, the Sunshine Coast, still working with adults and mental health um, from ages like 21 to like 65, everywhere in between that. I did that for about two and a half years, three years. And then recently I've just moved into the youth side of it because all the people that I worked with as the adults, I could always see a stem back from childhood. So I was like, especially with my story too, it's all childhood. And that's the reason why I'm where I am today. And I was like, I want to go back to my roots and help the youth. So now I work with um, youth ages 8 to 21. Mm, that's a big one, man, because that's that age, right, where a lot of our condition conditioning can happen too. Mm. So if you can provide that supportive environment to teach them a few little tools and tips and tactics on mm. how they can move through that, that's a huge aspect, which would be a great aspect, a uh, great segue, sorry, to, you know, all three of us talk about what's helped us through our times with these sort of stuff, you know, mm. for yourself, Ryan, obviously, what, what do you believe helped you the most through your journey? Exercise. Um, exercise recently now, well, I wouldn't say recently, it's been over a year. So exercise, breath work, meditation, 
um, I song write every day, so I write songs every day. Do yeah. So that's like that's my way of journaling. I just write songs for nonstop. Like rap songs more so than like love songs, like country songs. Um, I do do like <laughs> predominantly probably like eighty percent rap, but I just like because like I'm I'm like I'm big on music. Like I love music Same, so much. Bro, like yeah. I sit there and watch like um, review videos and stuff like every night. So I just love writing any type of music. I feel like it just it helps me with my vocabulary and speaking and also mm-hmm. understanding my thoughts. So songwriting is huge for me. Eh? I know Xavier I'm loves much music. The same because <laughs> I'm much the same, bro. I write as well. Oh, true. Um, like I've got some writing in here. But um, yeah, that's where my wordplay comes from is mm. from writing, you know. I You're a poet, like, bro. I just like, yeah, it's a, um, a way of channeling, mm. channeling, channeling what I'm feeling or channeling something external maybe even like you know i've had times where like um i think about a situation situation that's not necessarily something that's happened to me and i think about like how it would make me feel who i would be and then write about it from that situation so i'm like mm. channeling that person in that situation if yeah. that makes sense yeah, that's amazing that's um, cool but yeah like writing amazing amazing stuff um but another big one for me was a, like a consumer diet so like we live in a consumer society, right? Through like our phones, we consume so much shit through social media, mm. who we're following, what content we're consuming. So I just went through my Instagram and everything, unfollowed anyone that doesn't resonate with me, unfollowed, didn't give a fuck, you know, what they thought, just unfollowed them. Um, and then, you know, consuming con- what I'm consuming food wise, um, gut health is a massive one, you know. Your second brain. Um, it's your second brain, absolutely. Mm. It's. Um, 90, 90% plus of your serotonin is produced in your gut health, you know. Mm. We don't get told that. So, you know, we don't we aren't aware that this Mac is and this KFC is, like, fucking bringing us down. It's causing us this depression. It's causing us all this uncomfort. And then um, another one is music, what I'm listening to in my ears. Um, I cut out a lot of rap, and I love rap, but I had to cut out a lot of it because I was talking mm. about killing, you know, stabbing, yeah. fucking bitches, doing drugs, and that's mm. what I was caught up in. And I found, you know, what I'm consuming is what I'm doing. What do you listen to now? Um, I still listen to, a, like, rap a lot, but it's more woke and it's more, you know... Um, mindful rap. Mindful rap, absolutely. Mm. And a lot of R&B. Um, but um, since being with my partner, I listen to a lot of, like... Um, I don't even know what genre it's called. I call it acid music because yeah. it's like something you'd listen to when you're on like a, a psychedelic trip or something. <laughs> exactly something's really gentle, that. you know? Yeah. Um, so I listen to a lot of that type of music. Um, and then also like my environment, what I'm con- like who I'm, who I'm around. Mm-hmm. Like I changed my environment and yeah, just my life's completely changed. My mental health's completely changed. Yeah. And big time recently, right? I feel like you've had a massive shift in the last, what, four months or so? Yeah, absolutely, Mm. bro. Absolutely. Probably since the ripple effect. Yeah. It's definitely around then. Um, But yeah, so for me, it's been probably the last four months to year and a half. Um, I found a beautiful community um, that does plant medicine and I've done an ayahuasca ceremony and... And what I experienced in that, like, it healed my heart and, you know, like, really helped me mm. and changed the trajectory of my life and brought to my awareness what I needed to change and what I needed to do to, in order to be the person I want to be. That's big. Healed your heart. Mm. I love that. Absolutely. 
Yeah, we got our heart chakra incense, which is now gone <laughs> by the looks of things. <laughs> Thanks to Ryan for purchasing that for before. This is amazing. What, uh, about, what about you, Trev? Dude, where do I start? I think foundationally, again, exercise. Yeah, It can't be said enough that going for a 20-minute walk, man. Mm. But mm. breathing, obviously, my, since the first... Actually, my story, I tell it a lot, but I'll bring it up again because I love this man. Jordan Potts, mm. you know, as I've said before, I was in some of the worst depression I've had, and this is only a couple of years ago. Tam's got locked out of the country because uh, of COVID. She was in Canada visiting her family, couldn't come back. Mm. So I was eight months without her. So I was having panic attacks again, quit, uh, lost my job, um, severe depression, wouldn't get out of bed. But I started to discover, I went down the rabbit hole a little bit. Mm. I took the red pill. I started to understand society and, you know, how we are built into this system that is designed to have us sick all the time. So we are part of the sick care system. Yeah. And, but that started to open my eyes to a few things. And then the world, the universe probably saw that. I was like, oh, he's going a different frequency. Let's go. <laughs> and um, I actually randomly was at the Kiwana Farmers Markets with a mate, Andy, who I hadn't seen in years, right? And he's like, hey, bro, what are you doing? Come down. Obviously, me and my state, it was a fat mess up in my room, just like, no, nah, fuck that. I can't be bothered. Had KFC that night, I'm pretty sure. Next morning, I woke up, I was like, no, nah, I need to go. So I went. I'm standing there talking to Andy and his missus and his mum and dad and having a sick time and this dude walks by and now I, about a week before this, had shown Tams this guy on Instagram. I was like, I love this guy's content. I love what he's about. Universe must have seen that and be like, all right, well, you're going to meet this nigga. And he comes through and Jordan Potts rocks up and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> what? And that he's like, oh, do you want to come back to mine for um, ice baths and breath work? What a bloke, hey? Dude. Just meet you and says, "Want to come back to mine?" Right. Do the breath work. He probably felt the energy around him. He could see something for sure, and he said that before. Um, and I was, you know, I got into Wim Hof. There was that day that I was like, "Holy shit, what is this?" Mm. Went down the holistic path. So I started to get into your, your breath work, your ice baths, your meditation. Obviously, I was still pretty pathetic at it because I was still quite fresh to it. But it opened up so many more ideas for me. It was like I think, like you said, Xavier, that. One of my chakras, my heart one, was definitely opened up. It was like, oh, I'm open to this. I'm open to meeting new people new and experiencing new things. And I put my podcast poster up on this wall here. It was up there for seven months before I started it. Mm. I was terrified, man. You know what we're like. We're, we're scared of judgment. We're scared of what people are going to say. We don't yeah. believe we're good enough, whatever. And I actually looked at a video the other day of my first vlog I did walking up to Balumba Creek. Yeah. We're actually going camping there this weekend. And just the way I spoke, the way I looked, I had glasses on because I didn't want to look at the camera. Mm. You know, to think I came from that space, but to think that what I just kept doing was getting out of my comfort zone, like we said before. Mm. It was like going towards that. And it all started there that day with Potsy where it was like, here's a whole new world. Yeah. He was like Aladdin. A whole new world. <laughs> I was like, let's fucking go. And I just kept going down that path. And it's gotten to this point now where... I know that if I don't have my morning routine of meditation, bit of breath, just basic Wim Hof stuff, it doesn't have to be, you know when you get those like entrepreneurs and billionaires that are like, I go for a hundred kilometer run and then like, <laughs> it's like a four hour fucking- 70k canoe. Yeah. <laughs> and you just sitting there like, come on bro, you do not do that shit. Yeah. Like that stuff, I want everyone listening to realize that when you hear morning routine, don't let it scare you. Mm. You don't have to be a certain type of this, this or that, whatever. Mm. 
very it can be very basic yeah um i understand because when people say like because i have a morning routine and when i say people look like whoa you're crazy yeah like because i make my bed i drink a glass of water yep i do breath work but when people say breath work they think you're sitting there like half an hour going hectic like no it's four, six, nine breathing. So it's four seconds in the nose, pause for six, exhale at the mouth for nine. I do like three to five times and I go. Um, another one is cold exposure. Like I don't jump in yeah, the shower. Yeah, cold showers are sick. I just, I literally, because most, most of the time in the morning, I'm in the rush because I like to wake up last minute, do all my things and go. But usually I just fill up the sink with cold water, splash my face in it. That's my cold exposure and they go. Perfect. Because it gives me, it just gives me that release that it usually gives me. Well, that's, mm. that's where we can start too. The listener here. Just start with a little bit of cold water on your face. Yeah. Yep. You know, but then reading's a big one mm. for sure. Yeah. Uh, and were you about to say something? Oh, uh, like yeah. Dave? I just, I read the other day that um, cold shower, like cold exposure actually releases dopamine for longer than any anything else. It releases it for up to three mm. hours. Ooh. So, so how, how good is that? You know what I mean? Like something so mm. simple. It wakes me up more than any coffee. Cold exposure in the mornings. For like, sure. Like, I dunk me head in that sink like I'm ready to go. <laughs> right. Do you know what caffeine does to us? Like I heard that I'd, I'd get everyone to listen to it. There's a, there's a clip on Joe Rogan's YouTube with this scientist or doctor that went three months without it and just his story about what he went through during that and then his first one, like because he was like, no, it is an amazing thing to have if you used right. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said his first one back, it was like a psychedelic experience. Mm. it was literally that intense because his body got so used to it over the years and that three months he felt like a junkie coming yeah. off it mm-hmm. it was tough I can um, I've got a story I about that, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I did hospitality through high school for like four years and I would literally go to um, the hospitality block on my break and make three coffees and I'd sit there and drink all three coffees on my break Sheesh. and like yeah and then I'd go to hospitality make more coffees you know yeah. like it was just it was a luxury for me <laughs> and like I love my coffee and through high school I was a fiend for coffee like and then I come so off it yeah it is very addictive um so many things in in our lives are addictive you know our emotions are addictive but yeah like I had a very similar experience I didn't drink coffee until maybe a year ago like so you know I had a good three-year break two, two three years of no coffee and then had that first one and I was like I felt like I was on crack yeah. <laughs> like it was yeah <laughs> yeah that's interesting what it must do to us but it's like that the modern diets man mm. you know things that we're putting into our bodies as you were saying before Xavier like the foods that we consume and how much they affect our gut health I had to figure out a few times that there's certain things that if I eat them I literally get depression yeah or a small form of it it's like why do I feel like shit Oh, because I had wheat bix. Mm. You know, wheat and stuff really wrecks me. So mm. I just now consume like really good proteins and fats like your meat, avocado, some sourdough, those sort of things and tighten it up. And of course, I feel better. Mm. So yeah, nutrition guys would be a massive one. Yeah. Now I would obviously suggest to go see a nutritionist, dietitian, whoever it might be. Naturopaths are really good. I've found from a personal experience that they can show you what's inflammatory towards you. Um, but dude, my biggest one, and I'm going to segue into it again. Mm. Journaling. Journaling. Mm. This, this Stillness Every Day journal from the Pottery Studio, I'm stoked to have them as my sponsor because this thing, have a look at this shit, dude. Man, it looks phenomenal. Just even the way it looks. Like but the quality of it and the design of it, it's so clean and mm. simple. Can I read this out to the listeners? Actually, yes, that is a great. So guys, we talk about journaling and this is why I am making it one of my foundational things towards it. Just listen to what we're about to read out here. About this journal, 
The intention is for you to use this journal morning and night in order to create habits that will bring more stillness into your life. There is a reflection page every seven days for you to observe your progress. If you find some time to give yourself, you'll notice activity pages scattered throughout the journal designed to give you some downtime. The journaling should only take 10 minutes each morning and each night. That's a total of 20 minutes or 1.5% of your day. If you can't find 20 minutes in your fucking day, you're lying. 1.5%. That is, yeah. Right. Mm. Daily stillness. Stillness every day. Mm. That's all we need. And it's literally like going through and writing, what am I holding on to from yesterday that I can let go of today? Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be like, dear diary. and write, No, you know, no. Like it's just about rather intention setting, mm. just expressing yourself through writing. What are you grateful for? What are you grateful for? Yes. Mm. Because I believe self-worth is a massive issue in this society today. Mm. Now, because I talk to a lot of my clients with my tech talks and it's like everything is based off how they feel about themselves. Mm. A lot of the time, the money they're making, the relationship they have with self towards their partner, their friends, whatever, their job, they hate their job because they believe that's all they're worthy of. Mm. You know, when you start talking about it, it's like, well, if you can't even look yourself in the mirror and say, I love you to yourself, Mm. how do you fully expect to be able to love anyone to their full potential? Mm. hundred. You know, like it's... So again, Bob Proctor, I was doing that course with um, Vivian Paul thinking into results and she talked about every day it was 10 I am's and 10 gratitudes and then speaking that into the mirror. Mm. So like, I am powerful, I am wealthy, I am smart. And saying that and allowing my subconscious to hear that, to build up this point where it's like, my subconscious is starting to hear this and it's like, oh, is that what we are? We're not this fat piece of shit that can't do anything. Cool, let's change that story. Yeah. To change that narrative because your subconscious doesn't take anything as a joke like it takes everything as literal like it's yep. information it's data it takes it in mm-hmm. so you got to be careful what you're consuming because it's taken in as data and down the road these things will come into your mind become conditioned so that's where you got to be aware of what you're consuming those paradigms and again the circle that you're within you know mm-hmm. if you're around people that are always like say you do something stupid like you fucking idiot you know they call you this this and this and i understand sometimes it's funny to take the piss out of each other Mm. but just be aware as ryan just said your subconscious knows not the difference yeah it's like oh okay if that is what we are then cool i've seen people that are super clumsy because they keep saying oh i'm such a clumsy person because they just tell themselves over and over and over again or someone externally was like why are you so clumsy Mm. and that just becomes their story yeah and that can go with so many things but um Man, I feel like there were some really good tools, by the way. <laughs> that was, yes. Journaling, I'm glad you brought that out too and showed it and speak to that to the listeners because Ryan is huge. Like, I journal every day, but I also songwrite every day. And that's my journaling too. You know, that's my expression, my intention. Are you going to release one of these songs one day? Yeah, so I've, I've recorded over 200 songs. So, so what? Ooh, yeah. okay. <laughs> so, you know Bill, um, my mate Bill, he's, a, um, he's got a studio and he's a musician. So I go, we've literally got an EP ready so we're just editing and i'm just writing more so this year i'm releasing music and i'm gonna go like try and go full time into that and mental health experience what's the album called not sure yet yeah Yeah. nice but the songs are like yeah the wavy is (laughs) yeah what kind of what kind of vibe is it um so it's like melodies r&b and rap all mixed together so it's like melody rap rap because i'm like i really love bars and writing raps and stuff and then bill's teach me how to be more melodic as well because bill's like a singer and he loves all r&b and reggae things like that so it's like a mixture of everything so yeah we've got a lot of songs built up and ready to go and we're still recording i think i'm going to his tomorrow too 
do more recording. So if you want to come over and do oh, some recording, I was just about to say, man, <laughs> we yeah. need to get in on this. <laughs> I'd yeah. love to just sit in and listen, man. Yeah, you should come. That'd be such sometime. a cool experience. You said the same thing for this, but now <laughs> you're in this shit, bro. You can get that. You can do that because that's these are the things. Now these things, these opportunities start to get presented to you, right? Yeah. And I'm seeing it happening for you. Your story and your journey right now. The fact that you're here. And no, Kayla and Tiana are here. Like the f- the way this is all coming together is just crazy. But it's oh. not. It's all part of it. Mm. You know, once you start to see this, if like I've said before, and I've spoken into the podcast, we look at little synchronicities, little angel numbers here and there, little things that are happening. You start to notice those things. You're like, I'm on the right path here, and you just start to believe that if you are on the right frequency and you are in this right state of mind, you will eventually get to where you want to be. But isn't that the beauty of it that you can see that now, right? Mm-hmm. You can feel that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, bro. And for me, um, for synchronicities, I'm really um, tied to nature. So, like, I see a lot of butterflies and, you know, that's when I know I'm mm. on the right track. I'll have, like, a butterfly fly over me and I'm like, okay. Like, mm. thank you. Thank you. And always practice gratitude towards the synchronicity. Say thank you. And, you know, gratitude doesn't have to be like, you know, I'm grateful for this, I'm blah, 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 blah. It can be a simple thank you, you know, thanking your food, thanking your water, mm. just speaking that, you know, just to let the universe know that you're grateful for it. And that's when it will just keep popping up more and more and more. And leading with love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another thing that um, I do for gratitude is I learned this from this guy named Charlie. Um is, you know, um, for example, this is going to be a stupid one, but for example, I make it to the toilet and I don't shit my pants. And <laughs> I'll be like, fuck yeah, I'm on a winning streak, you know? Yeah. And then like um, I cook dinner and I, I don't burn it. I'm on a winning streak, mm. you know? And you go, you wake up in the morning, I'm on a winning streak. You know, I'm able to breathe today, I'm on a winning streak. I'm healthy, I'm on a winning streak. Mm. And man, you, you really feel that dopamine release, man. Like Taking that victory feel, lap. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. man. And yeah. you, you'll find like, you know, you get so many small wins in a day when you start paying attention to it. That's why I start every morning with a win. And that's the importance of a morning routine for me. Because if I get if I do my ten minute morning routine, I've already won the day. Because I've won my morning, everything else is going to flow with it. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, Ooh, your morning mm, when you're <laughs> Making my bed is like the biggest task ever. It seems so simple, but I hate making my bed, and that's yeah. the reason why I do it every morning. <laughs> and when I do it, I look. I was like, yeah, I fucking did that. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you get home after yeah. a long day, it's so rewarding. Yeah, like so to see that clean, sacred, safe space. Hundred percent. And you look at it, and it's like I did that. Now I can enjoy laying in this. <laughs> mm, and that's a big part, you know, keeping your environment tidy too. Yeah, hundred. Because you know they always say that messy mind, messy messy house or messy car and that sort of thing you can see where someone's at depending on how their environment's looking essentially not all the time but it's pretty relevant within that yeah but dude now that you're at this space and you're doing what you love and you're in this like Mm. what would you say to people to to go down there their own path of finding their passion and their why um going down to find your own passion and why i think it will excite you and to be open to experience things as well don't shy away from an opportunity because you're fearful Try to find excitement within that and tap into more of yourself. Find out more about you. Open yourself up from the inside and lead with love. And once you start leading with love, I do think then you'll attract what your passion is, what your purpose is, what you're here for in this world and lean more into that. Now, you have your days where you doubt yourself and think, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not meant to be for this, but feel through the time and wake up the next day and keep going with it because if it truly feels right, it is right. 
Mm, I love that. And after hearing this conversation, Xavier, like, where's your head at? Um, yeah, I agree. Completely agree with him, man. I've always said that the lo- that the answer is always love. You know, any issues you have, the answer is always love. And deep down, I think that we all know the answers to our issues. It's just about admitting it and accepting mm. it for what it is. Acceptance, yes. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't accept things that happen in life, we become stuck on what has happened. We become stuck in the past that we don't accept because we can't get past it. But once we accept, we free the past and we can actually finally be present in the moment. Mm. So once you accept things in your life, that's when you can start acting towards what you're doing right now. Yeah. See it, understand it, mm. accept it, release it. Yeah. That's a big one. That You just saying that right then just realized me what I... There's a great book I'm reading now called The Untethered Soul. Oh, that's and, a good book. Oh, man. I'm I'm trying really hard to just stick to the 10 pages per day. I want to smash it, but I really want to absorb it. Um, but it's I'm, I read that thing this morning where it was like, when you feel a trigger and you know it's there, just experience it, watch it, and let it just let it go. If the more we go into that feeling or that thought of, say someone, my biggest trigger back in the day was if someone called me lazy because I always felt deep down that I was, even though I was a very hard worker and I am a hard worker but it was something that triggered me and I'd get in my head about it and I'd get all shitty and I'd probably react to that person when it was just like, yeah, now it's like whatever anyone says. Mm. It's like, okay, cool. Sweet. Like you said before, that yeah. dude came up to you and was like, rah, 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 and you're like, okay. Yeah. You can do that. Mm. That is within your control. And that's one thing I say to a lot of people. It's like, there's two circles. There's one that we sit within, our circle of control. There's one without, this massive one around that that you can't control. Why the fuck would you even bother dealing with that big one around you? Yeah. Are you serious? Like, why would you bother worrying about what's going on in the world right now? Mm. Can you control it? Mm. No. Can you control your environment, the people around you, the people you love and your space and your mind and your emotions? Yes. It's hard. It's not easy, but that is controllable. So why do you think people focus so much on the things they can't control? Is that something that you get into sometimes? Yeah. Because people start to focus on things they can't control because maybe it's an insecurity reflection within themselves that they feel like they have no control of their own life. Yeah. So I think that's a way of they're putting their energy out there maybe to test that by controlling others or controlling situations, which in reality is not going to happen because you're either going to draw people away or you're going to draw people in for the wrong reasons. Until you come back to yourself, into your own heart, into your own mind and find that love within yourself and they start to control your own mind and what you're up to and especially controlling your thoughts because our thoughts are just wild. They just run around like a wildfire. But it doesn't mean you can't extinguish them. It doesn't mean you can't just like close the door and let the fire be behind the door. You know, you can let the fire be. It's just not getting involved too much with your emotions and becoming what your thoughts are. You know, it's more so about becoming... Being the observer. Yeah, being the observer, being the watcher of your own thoughts. That's cool. It's like you can almost just float up above yourself and watch it happening. Mm. Look, let that experience happen and like, cool, let's move through that. Because yeah, we all have that shitty little roommate within us. Mm. That's what the untethered soul talks about too. If you had that guy or that person or that whatever as a roommate, how long do you think you'd let him live with you? Mm. Some of the shit my guy says, oh, I'd be in fights with that dude all day. <laughs> <laughs> like some of the shit, man. And look, as we yeah. said before, I'm, I still go through my stuff. Mm. I had a couple of days last week where I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I don't want to do the podcast. I don't want to do this, this, and this. You just want to run away mm. or go back to a normal job. You know, like I know one thing that a lot of people struggle with is money. 
something I always struggled with. It was my self-belief, my patterns within me, my blueprint around money and my self-worth that I've never felt like it was something that I loved. Everyone's always been told to hate money. Yeah. Well, not everyone, but some people are like, oh, you know, you don't need money, you just need enough to get by. Yeah. Or rich people are scumbags. When most rich people I've met have just been the most beautiful people ever. Yeah, very humble. They're the ones helping people, man. Mm -hmm. And once I started to understand that, um, I can make money, I can do this, I can do that. But it does get those days where it's like, or these weeks where my most valuable thing right now is time. So for you to reach out and say, hey, Trav, have you got time to to do this podcast with me? And I was like, fuck yeah, I want to. Yeah. And I can because I've created a life that allows me that flexibility. Mm. But then there's that other side of it where it's like, where's my rent and my food coming from this week? Yeah. You know, I still deal with those week to week days sometimes where I'm like, man, I'm eating tuna today. Mm. I'm eating tuna and rice. I can't go get a nice juicy steak because I haven't made money this week. So how do you respond to these thoughts? I remember my purpose. And I lean on the people around me. But I'm not asked, I'm not scared to ask for help. Mm-hmm. I've asked for money before. Mm-hmm. And I'll openly say that. Some people get really nervous or like awkward about that. Yeah, shut down. Yeah. They're like, no, I don't want to ask for help. I'm like, fuck, who cares? Mm. They love you. You're going to pay it back. Exactly. We you humans, it's, we need to support each other. Exactly, right. And uh, another thing is I feel people don't talk about money enough. Mm. Yeah. And that causes a lot of issues. Mm. You, it's like, it's rude to ask how much you earn. Mm. yeah where where did that come from it's like I'm not trying to find like I get it you know some people see it as rude or whatever but if you talk openly about money and it's this beautiful thing and it's like a partner that you want around and it's it's a good mate Mm. you actually start to have more money come around so where do we think that comes from do you reckon it's an ego thing where people don't want to open up about money or I think it's a system thing yeah Yeah. I I reckon it's being systematically put on us so that we don't make money (laughs) (laughs) we want to be debt you know built around debt and all these other things and it's like if the people are scared of money, then they'll never make money. 100%. I want to speak into that because I wanted to start my own business. So I applied for a business loan. I got denied, but they approved me for a house loan, which is like fucking like 100 times more than I was asking for a business loan. There you go. So like I can be in debt for the next 30 years, yep. but they won't approve a loan that I can pay off. In the Can't year. make your own wealth. Mm. Don't do that. Yeah, no. <laughs> Don't you dare do that. No, you can get another house, but, but you can't start a business which will make you money. Wow, that's and that's the polarity, man. It's like, of course, they don't want to help you do that. Mm. Imagine if everyone was running small businesses. Yeah, and look, we we need workers. We need people that are the doctors, the nurses, the garbage truck guys. Like everyone has their place, and there's literally no judgment from me on anyone that has a job like that. Hundred. I just know myself. I don't want to do that. Mm. I just know myself that I have a purpose. That these things that I'm doing, this is what I love. So if stress and anxiety around money or whatever comes with it or the pressures of having to do all this content or get shit done or I have a fucking 16-hour day or whatever, Mm. it's just part of it. Because what I want everyone to realize as well, if you're listening, that when you realize what your passion is or your purpose, you will feel it. Mm -hmm. It's a deep burning sensation, right? Like it... I've got a video that I posted and I posted it because I wanted people to see what I was feeling in that moment of, holy fuck, I just realized what my purpose is. Mm. And I was just driving down Nicklin Way here. Yeah. Coming back from seeing Toddy and my mate Alex Kelly and it just had this realization. I was like, holy shit, this is about to be my life. Mm. And just this weight just dropped off my shoulders and I just, it almost felt again, like my heart opened up and I just started crying, like uncontrollably bawling my eyes out. Mm pulled up to the, the house here 
sat in my car and just pressed record and I spoke into it. Mm, and I was, and I always look back at that video and I'm like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I get teary like talking about it, man. Like, was there anything that helped you tap into that thought pattern to knowing what your purpose is? I went all in on this shit, bro. Mm. I just said, fuck what anyone thinks. I, I literally, I still remember this day, man. I came down for, I had a random shift at Rebel. I was still just holding on, just holding on to the safety net. Yeah. I was doing like a couple of days a week. Didn't, didn't really need it. But I came down, came down to do a shit actually. <laughs> and my manager called me and she's like, hey Trav, how you doing? Are you coming in for your shift today? And something just screamed at me from inter- internally, bro. It was like, and I just said it. I was like, I am, but I quit. Yeah. <laughs> I literally was like, yes. Awesome. And I remember, never forget it, bro. Sitting on this toilet downstairs here and I was just like, I'm coming in, but I quit today. Sorry, Tay. <laughs> and that's much like what happened to me at the Ripple Effect event, bro. It was like something inside of me screamed. My inner warrior archetype just screamed, you know, get the fuck up and speak about this shit. Yeah. And that's what happened, you know. That so listen to that. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's what, look what comes from it, right? So I finished up my last shift that day. And then, yeah, it was terrifying, right? Because it was on my own back now that I have to survive. Yeah. So I literally started a buy and reselling business with my missus, Tams, mm-hmm. Trends and Treasures. I survived off that some weeks, just fucking buying and reselling on Marketplace and eBay. Yeah. You know, just hustling however I could to get by and then uh, picked up some labouring jobs here and there, uh, started to do the podcast, wasn't getting paid for that, had an amazing sponsor in Bucox who were providing meat, which was amazing. You know, feed this big boy, I was sweet. And then um, had this random intuitive download one day, dude, Tech Talks. Mm. Tech Talks, I'm going to get paid to be technician to tech talk yeah. you know like and it just kept flowing and flowing and flowing and it sounds like you started to have choice in your life rather than yes because when you work a job at rebel or any place in the world you work a job they give you a roster and then you're forced to cut out hours during the weekend days to go towards that roster but it sounds like then after that you was able to live life by your choice you did things you wanted to do yeah you still had to work it was your choice to do what you did. Of course. I was designing my life. Mm. Took control. Yeah. If you don't have the ability to create in this life, you're going to be selling what's created. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. That's exactly what I was doing for six mm. years, which I loved because I met people and I, and I started to feel my purpose of helping people on a smaller scale. But it was that surrendering too. Mm. It was surrendering to, holy shit, you do have a bigger purpose. And I mean, not everyone needs to have a bigger purpose to be able to go out and do their own thing either. Yeah, you know, there's no reason why talking to a Kayla and Tiana about starting their own little business, right? I know they want to. Mm-hmm. I know they want to. They don't want to sell insurance. <laughs> they don't want to do that. But yeah. there's these paradigms, these conditioned beliefs from our parents, our society, our friends, whatever. What are you doing that for? Yeah. Why would you go do that? You know, work this job to get this money in your super, and you go live this cycle till you're 65. And Bro, that's I, how it felt. For remember me. me putting up a video a few weeks ago, or like maybe a month or two ago, and I was drinking red wine upstairs and I was just drawing. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I got a story. I got a message from that story from someone, someone I've known for years. Yeah. She went off at me. True. She was like, oh, is this what we, is this what these people pay you to do to drink wine and blah? It was like seven o'clock at night. Mm. You know, it wasn't during the day or anything. It was like after my day had finished. I was just trying to enjoy myself. And she went in, she's like, some of us have to have actual jobs, some of us have integrity and all this, this and this and calling me a fraud for having people pay me to, you know, listen to them and all this other shit. And man, she was brutal about it. And I was like, wow, me going out and doing my thing 
and living the life I want to live has triggered someone to that point. And all I felt was sorry for her. Mm, that's good because it wasn't your fault. No. She would have been so unhappy internally. I almost said, yeah. you sound like, like you need a tech talk, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I was just like, I genuinely was like, man, it's, it's all good. I can understand where she's coming from. I literally said, I hope you're doing okay. I hope you feel better after that. Because mm. I could just, I could feel the pain in her words, man. It was like, she wants to live a life that she wants to live. Mm. Not be in this societal construct of, you must go to university for four years. You must then work this job until you retire at 60, 70, whatever. Then you must die. Because that is what we're told to do, right? Predominantly. I know things are changing. There's a lot more entrepreneurs and stuff now and like young money and stuff, but... It's still systematic within school systems and education and things like that. Building workers. Mm. But yeah, I think, I think we just passed the age of Pisces, which was like the age of information. And now we're in the age of Aquarius, which is like the age of frequency. Oh. So, you know, this is why the mass awakening is, is happening and why everyone's so called That's why to people the Sunshine are coming Coast, to Sunshine Coast. why the collective mm. is becoming more aware and why these topics are being more spoken into. But, yeah, this is... We're living in the fucking prime time right now. I, th- I think this old vid situation actually awakened so many people, hey? 100%. It's done the complete opposite of what they wanted to do. I wonder if the universe is putting out there with Sunshine Coast having the highest suicide rates in Australia... Was in a calling to bring this to Sunshine Coast. Oh, it's got goosebumps mm. then, bro. Mm. And that's why it's this big awakening now because the universe could feel that there was so much pain happening here. They wanted to heal. This is where this heal. This is where the phoenix starts. Mm. And you, dude, we, I had a good friend move back from Western Australia to be here. Mm. She could feel it. She literally messaged me. It's like, Travi, I'm coming home. Mm. I can f- see and feel what you guys are doing there and I want to be part of it. She, she wants to be part of the community. Mm. We have three of my good mates, Yelena, um, Shan and Abby coming up to move up here to be here because they feel this pull to be here. You know, and that actually makes so much sense with the incredible people that are here now, right? Mm. Even the way I met Toddy Jarrett, bro, like one of my best mates now. Yeah. It was literally my friend Jess was like, oh, he's from my hometown. You should check this guy out. Again, just showed me his Instagram. Mm. Within two weeks, I had him on the podcast. Within two weeks, I was at a fucking Dr. Espen experience with him. Yeah. Then I was at the three-day experience where me, him, and Rip became best mates and started the idea, and I was taking the piss out of Rip's name. Oh, what are you going to be like the ripple effect or something? And yeah. Or the conscious carpenter and all these things. And all these things that are happening, you just feel like this is part of the design, mm. the universal design, not the system design. Yeah, exactly. Universal design, it's drawing everything together. There's a greater power at work, you know? It's mm. like something is happening all these things and i know i know there's probably people that are listening that are like oh this, what are they talking about like, <laughs> the woo woo motherfucker that would have been me three years ago i was sat there like oh what the fuck are these people talking about like that's not even real you know like the wigging mm-hmm. out but like once i actually took the opportunity to experience what people were talking about in terms of mindfulness and exploring energies and things like this when i saw the breath work meditation the first time i did it i understood straight away i'm like well there's I get big, this. There's something bigger than my visual experience of the world. There's more dimensions happening out there and I need to find out. And that's why I've been on this hectic journey of breathwork, meditation, doing all this inner work because I keep having experiences that are so, so profound and so real that it makes me want to keep finding out. And especially when I said before about this awakening in the Sunshine Coast, like I feel like I flew from Liverpool to... Australia to Adelaide and from Adelaide to Bribie and then moved off Bribie and then now 
I got a job up in the coast because I still had mental health experience. Like I offered to volunteer at a place. Now I'm up here. Now I've met this community. And this awakening, it felt like it's just all aligned for a reason. Right. And we're meeting people. Like you said before, Xavier, is like we met that same day and we're telling each other we love each other. It was the same with Jay. It was the same with Jacob, the leaders in our group. And you just reminded me, dude, I remember seeing you for the first time on social media, right? Mm. And I was like, why do I keep seeing this dude everywhere? And then I saw this one video where you fell down a hill or something. You're still recording yourself. It was super cute. I just slipped. Dude. And I was like, <laughs> but something, just seeing your reaction and seeing your personality, I was like, I feel like I'm going to meet this dude. And then literally a week later, I met you. Yeah. That's mm. cool to be conscious of it. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, like just, and the that is just how it's all been happening. Yeah, well, I, f- I found you through your podcast, like, my mate shared your podcast and I was like, hmm, clicked on your Insta, clicked on the link, clicked on your Instagram profile. And I was like, mm, he's only got like a hundred followers. Mm. I was like, fuck it. You know what? I've, I've, I think it was the first ever podcast I had actually listened to. And mm. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to listen to it. And I worked night shift at the time and I chucked in my AirPods, chucked them, chucked my um, head phone things over top. And um, listen to it, and I was like, "That was when you had Todd Jared on as well." Oh, like, Toddy's like, episode. Yeah. That's a good one. I was one. like, "Holy shit! This is like everything that I've been like aware of, like through my whole life." You know, like ever since I was a kid, I was always like around this spiritual woo woo shit. Um, that's how I was raised, and I was always aware of it. And um, but I avoided that stuff, and because of what society says. Mm. And but yeah, and then you spoke into it, and I was like, "Holy shit, I need to meet this guy!" And I followed you, and I just listened to all your episodes after that. <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, I'm gonna meet this guy one day. I'm gonna meet him. I'm gonna meet him." And then fucking one tickets to the Ripple Effect. That's event, right. And yeah. Met you. Yeah, dude, that was an experience. And oh, and the first time I actually went to Kudui Conscious Breathwork was I connected with Todd as my partner. No and way. I, I was like, I was like, I set that intention too that morning. I was like, this morning I'm going to connect with Todd. I'm going to connect with him. And I fucking connected with him. And I was like, yes. And you can ask my brother and Kayla and them. I was like, I was like, I'm going to meet Todd. I'm going to connect with him. And they're like, why do you want to connect with this guy so bad? And I'm like, I'm like, because he, he's, he's onto it, you know, he, he knows. Dude, that right there, that intention, you just reminded me of something today I experienced. I was, um, I was watching some TikTok, as you do. I love TikTok, bro. There's so much good stuff on it. Um, I've learned so much off it, mm. but I find some cool shit too. And I was watching, do you know? Do you guys know Nadwa? Yes. Yes. Nadwa. We've got to know you're ASAP Rocky. Is that Utah, the Dude, I was listening to him interview Jack Harlow. Oh, yeah. And it was incredible. I got fucking soul bumps. I was crying because Jack, man, Jack goes deep and I'll show you his after this. But this, he's like, I saw this happening. Mm. I remember watching you and I was like, man, I love this dude. I love what he does. But it's like, I'm going to be standing next to him one day. And you could just see it in his whole body. He was just like reliving this experience and his journey up to that point. And I just started crying because I was like, man, I know there's people I've met now that I had every intention to meet one day. Mm. And I know it's just going to keep happening. And it does. Yeah. It just keeps happening and I can't stop it. Mm. So actually speaking to this right now, and this is just to give you guys listening a bit of a idea about how incredible it is if you actually believe this stuff and you follow this and you see the synchronicities, you see the angel numbers, whatever. I was talking to a friend Sunday down at Moffat's Beach and we were talking for a few hours, man. She was talking about how um, 
actually, I can't. I don't know if I can even say that. Basically, we're talking about the same guy. <laughs> yeah. And he's quite big, Ziggy Ziggy Alberts. And I was, we are both talking about how we've been talking to him, trying to get him on the potties and whatever. And we've seen some cool shit happening. Like, we've seen this car that had, like, 666 on it and, like, all these other things. Uh, I think we've seen some butterflies, stink bugs, all this sort of stuff. Mm. Very, like, altruistic, you know, spiritual or whatever. Yeah. As we're walking back to the car, um, walk past this group of people, and I'm like, hold on a second. Is that, is that Diggy? <laughs> we look, and he's like, yeah, sure enough, it is. And he's just looking right at us, like, and I could feel it. I was like, oh, should I say anything? But he was talking to friends. We walk by, we let that experience happen. Like, hey, this is happening for a reason. We get in the car, man. Mm. What's the song that comes on? Ziggy Alberts. <laughs> like, I can't, you can't even like can't, write this yeah, shit. And so I, I actually then, the next day, my brain's going and I was like, man, who should I get on from the sunny coast, Brizzy or Goldie? Mm. The first person that someone says is fucking Ziggy. <laughs> so I share that, hoping that he'd see it, maybe on the story, reshare, whatever. My mate Potsy actually knows him really well. Mm. He forwarded that to him. So I'm hoping... Potentially, this is why it's all happening. Ziggy's going to come on the podcast within the next couple of weeks. No, it will happen. That's my intention, yeah. I believe that all that transpired because he is going to. Mm. Hope you're listening to this right now, Ziggy, as well, once you discover the podcast. But, dude, and these things, you know, they're just going to get bigger and bigger. Like, my intention for one day, I'd love to meet Arnold and The Rock. Mm. Yeah. Two big guys for me. Who would you say you'd love to meet? Um... It's going to be a funny one, but I really want to meet Cursor. Because going, right. going through my drug addiction and all my mental health battles, he was the one person I could listen to and I felt like he understood what I was going through. Mm. And the, like, cause his, he'd always talk about drug addiction, but it wasn't in a way to promote it. It was in a way of talking about his struggle. I Being felt real like, about it. I felt he just understood me. So like Cursor, yeah. And the dope thing about Cursor, every time I messaged him, when I started writing music, I sent Cursor like loads of photos of like different microphones, headphones and stuff like just like which one would you recommend? He sent me a big paragraph back recommending each single one and why and like why he uses this one and stuff and then like every time I mesh him that replies to me. That's cool. Yeah, have so, you hit him up for the body? Yeah, I have. So well, hopefully when it comes to Brisbane I can get him on. Where is he based? Sydney. That's going to happen. Yeah, that will happen. But yeah, one person will be, yeah, Cursor. Would be Nipsey Hustle, but he's not here anymore. Mm. But yeah, Cursor. R.I.P. Nipsey, what OG, dude. And this, we're going to be held accountable right now. Everyone listening to this, because this is. So you're going to meet Cursor. I'm going to meet Cursor. I'm going to meet The Rock. Yeah. Actually, no, we'll, we'll bring it a bit sooner. Ziggy's coming on the podcast yeah. in the next month. Xavier. Oh. What's going to happen, bro? Mm. Put it out there. For me, I'm going to meet Joe Dispenza. Mm. Oof. J. Cole. Oof. And Brent Fires. Yeah. Damn. That's dope. That's a that's, that's a really it. good yeah. But if there's something that can happen really soon, really soon, who's mm. someone on the coast that you want to connect with, or what's something you'd love to have happen in the next couple of months? It's a great question. Take your time. Could we come back to this for sure? Mm. Yeah, because for me, the next six months for me are really important, especially. And I know you've probably got some big plans as well. Mm. But wanting to like actually speak into this. Now being paid for the podcast feels yeah. incredible. Mm. You know, I, this is, it's only been, jeez. Actually, I've got it. Oh, let's go. Um, I want to be a facilitator at the Ripple Effect event. Oh. And um, I've also volunteered to um, do a, um, a youth camp for, um, to almost like, um, 
welcome them in, into manhood. What's the term? I'm having a mind blank here. Um, I'm having a mind blank here, but do you get get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it'd be like a um, Jesus. I know what you're trying to say. Welcome to manhood. So it's a there's a word for it. <laughs> it's an exact word. But I know what you're saying. Like, yeah. obviously, you're you're allowing them to step into this new space. Yes, absolutely. You know, coming from childhood to manhood and understanding what comes with that. So, mm. what age are they? Um, I think 16 and younger. Cool. Is mm. that the one near Malala Valley? Um, it's with my mate Darren Riley. Um, he has this group called The Brotherhood. And, mm. yeah, he, he ran his first youth camp just at the start of the year, I think it was, or December or something. And then he's running his second one coming up in... April. Mm. That's yeah. Can we shout out to so Brotherhood, Brotherhood from Darren Riley? Yep. Whereabouts are they based? They're based in... Darren is based in North Lakes, but a lot of his events are around Sunshine Coast area. Oh, wow. Cool. The Brotherhood. Let's yep. get that... Let's shout that out because yeah. it's doing something that's cool, man. Like, Absolutely. It's dope. You know, if we, if we can... Because I'm starting to see more and more of those pop up, mm. which is incredible. All these men's groups, women's group, like Girls Talk from Ailish and Saran. Um, the Sisterhood which my friend Stace, she was one of my clients for Tech Talks, an incredible woman too, Ripple Effect attendee. Um, Sam Wallace just started his own. Um, Chris Walker for Travel Fit as well. Like oh, yeah, Chrissy, yeah. yeah. Um, Jesse Moldhouse, yeah. um, the boys, yeah. social club. Down that, at, that group's fucking awesome. Yeah, you've been there, right? Yeah. Mm. Awesome, man. Dude, just in, this is the Ripple Effect. Mm-hmm. This is the people and the men, the women, all these incredible humans starting these little things mm. that are growing to big things. And helping more people because all it takes, I think I've seen it somewhere, and I've mentioned it before. I swear I get it wrong every time, but there was somewhere. It may have been London. It was a a big city somewhere. There was four thousand monks that meditated at once, Mm. and actually lowered the crime rate. Yeah, you know, like that's incredible. The way I see it, man, is it's like a it's like a family tree. You know, one group starts this conscious group, and then they all just stem down from it, Mm. and it just yeah, just opens up that stream and opens up people's minds and allows them to accept that, yeah, okay, this is acceptable for society. Mm. Of course, bro. So you give them the permission. Out there. Yeah, it's the permission slip, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, just and that's I love the fact that we're not 60-year-old hippie women with dreads that are talking about this. <laughs> you know, like, that was the only demographic that was really talking about, you know, yeah. Reiki, chakras, all that stuff that we're now, and crystals. Yeah. You know, women used to get, like you'd have a young bunch of guys taking the piss out of some women that were into crystals. But now we're like, nah, let's give us the crystals, man. Give us the incense. Give us the sage. Let's yeah. sage the house. Like all these things. It's like, dude, this stuff is for real. Like I have essential oil in my, I have them in my car, so it's with me mm. all times. So I'll let you have the essential oils, like a roll. Yep. I draw a fat eye on my head every day. That's it, sick. That's yeah. awesome. oh, what, what, like, which one is it? It's um, it's called my inner high. So it's like a blend of like a eucalyptus Ooh. oil and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I got from you Monday markets. That's that's why these are shining. So rubbed all over me crystals. So that's cool. Do that every day. Uh, every every night before bed, I rub um, lavender on my head. To, mm. That's like an incense, uh, uh, essential oil. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's awesome. This Pass the fuck out on that side. Bro, there's going to be so many mums smiling hard right now. Like, <laughs> oh my God, they love it. They <laughs> <I> understand. <Yeah. laughs> Finally. Like, that's cool. And it's a, a great, man. Like the diffusers that I use up in my room, uh, thanks to um, Alice from, what's the name of her? One of the greatest podcast guests I've had on, man. She was incredible. Alice, Alice Nichols. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
you know, little things like that, meeting those people and having an understanding of greater things or just different things. Mm. Look how much they've helped all three of us. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So we ask about tools and tip, tool tips and tactics that have helped us. Yeah, the foundational stuff of exercise, journals, gratitude, um, good sleep, fucking mm, better quality sleep. water, not drinking tap water. Yeah, you know, well, all, all drink these little water things. first thing in the morning to hydrate your body. Yes. Mm. Hydrate your organs because your body dehydrates overnight because it creates like a um, warming system with inside yourself because it tries to um, it tries to counteract the... I lost, lost what I'm trying to say now, but... Your body essentially dehydrates from the warmth throughout mm. the night, and that's why you need to feed it water instead of going straight to a coffee or straight to a soft drink. You need to hydrate with um, H2O. Or a big meal or something. Or a big and, meal, yeah. And again, guys, reiterating, which I'll put at the start of this episode too, like this is all for information purposes. You know, mm. These are things that have worked for us. We're not trying to tell you to go do this. Yeah. But hey, if you want to, cool, You know, because it's helped us. You know, For me, fasting has been incredible. Yeah. If I fast until about 1 o'clock in the day and have a massive like eggs, bacon, steak, sourdough, avocado. I can pretty much live off one meal. My, like my calories and nutrients, I have supplements sometimes that I need as well. But I feel incredible. Yeah. I'm also the heaviest I've ever been, but I'm also the healthiest and strongest and fittest I've been. Yeah. You know, and there's, there's these body issues that come into the mental health aspect as well, which is hurting a lot of people that, you know, they look at themselves in the mirror or say on social media and they're like, oh, why don't I look like that? Why don't I look this? It's like, how about we focus on what your body does for you and not how it looks? Mm. I want to ask you a question from your perspective, Travis. So through exercise, um, at the start, it really helped with your mental health. But to feel like it came to a point where you relied on it to cope with mental health, and then now you've got all these other tools and tactics in your life, you now can use gym as something you enjoy rather than as a dependent on making you feel good. Boom, nailed that. Yeah, so you now it's not a, it's not my yeah. shit. I need to get to the gym or I'm going to be depressed. It's oh, I can go to the gym today. Yeah, I can lift some heavy weights, have some fun, and there's no real structure to it. Mm. So for me, I just have fun. You know, I don't yeah. get in there and say I need to do five sets, twelve reps, whatever. I just rock up and do what I do. Do just lift, lift some heavy shit, have some fun. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. too much. Ev- look, I also understand that. Yes, if you are competing or if you want to be a bodybuilder or if you want to look a certain way, you do need to train a certain way mm-hmm. for sure. Like I'm doing my cert four which I probably should finish, by the way. But um, I do understand it, but I also just see that there's so much... This is the one big thing for everything, I believe, and this is one thing that I think will help everyone if they listen to this. Everyone takes everything way too serious. Mm. Way too serious. Have some fucking fun, man. Yeah. Just laugh. Like, I actually schedule in time to scroll on TikTok. Yeah. Because I make sure I have laughed every day. Like, I make sure I laugh... So I make sure, you know, I got at least 20, 30 minutes of scrolling where I'm just giggling. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I think laughter is so important, man. For I feel sure, like we dude. need to do it daily. Mm. I need to do it daily specifically, but it helps me balance. Yeah, and it's okay to be scrolling on your phone for <laughs> a bit. Like, that's cool. Like, it's, I feel like there's a lot of judgment with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, this can go both ways. I've noticing now that I'm in this space with, like, your spiritual side of things or people that are within this really healthy, holistic space. And I find that, People probably worry that they have to be a certain way to be able to do this stuff too. Mm-hmm. It's like, nah, you can still drink beers and go play the pokies or whatever and still go to stillness on a Sunday. Yeah, There's no judgment around that. But let's just be mindful of where that's coming from. If there's an attachment to, I feel like shit, so I'm going to drink 20 beers tonight, mm-hmm. maybe that's not the best place to be coming from. But if it's your mate's 30th and you want to have a heap of beers and have fun with him, mm. go do that. Yep. But just okay. make sure you, potentially you're in a good place. Mm. coming into that uh, and again 
we're just saying these things from experience and saying what's helped us. So um, we want to be mindful of people that might have drinking problems or gambling problems and these sort of things. We want to be mindful of that too. But, yeah. you know, as long, as long as we can potentially get some of these foundations in of the better food, better sleep, better water, bit of, bit of journaling, bit of gratitude. And a whole lot of love. Yeah, a whole, lot of, a whole love. lot of love and a whole lot of breathing. If they had told us when we were younger, mm. when we were going through our depression, anxiety, whatever, it's all right, mate. Just breathe. Just do some box breathing. Mm. That's yeah. funny, you know. The answer's literally right under our nose. Mm. 100%. Like, I, I read the book called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, and he Ooh. says in the book, um, become the watcher of your thoughts, the observer. Because I did struggle with negative, intrusive thoughts. Like, I'd just be driving my car, and the worst things would just come in my head. And I get so attached to it because I wanted to go. But once I stopped attaching to it, the thoughts ended up going because it became the watcher of the thoughts and they flowed down my mind like literally within seconds rather than me having a mental battle for about five minutes. So once <laughs> I became the watcher of my own thoughts, like I just became at more peace because I was able to accept. It was beautiful. Yeah, I'd have to say that's where I'm at now too. I, I still have those feelings come through. But yeah. as you said, um, if it, whether it's anger, sadness, frustration, whatever, I just watch it. I'm like, cool, you do your thing, bro. Fuck off now. Yeah. And it's like, cool, let's get on with our day. And... This is entirely possible, guys. Everyone can do this. A lot of this stuff's free. Yeah. A lot of books you can... I, I get a lot of my... I find my books at like the dump. Mm. Budroom Tip Market. I find these sick books... And they're books that have been put there for a reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, mm. the Resilience Project. I literally had the sixth person in two weeks tell me, you need to get this book. It's incredible. Mm. The next day, it's sitting in a trolley at the front of the store for a dollar. Yeah. That's why I go to book exchanges because you buy a book... And you constantly just hand it back to the shop and you get a new one. That's cool. And you can just do that. There's a cool, um, shop called the the Book Booker. So it's in Redcliffe, Bribey, and there's another one somewhere. There's three of them. None so up I, here? Um, there might be one up here, actually. Yeah. So I usually, like with the power now, I'll go there from the Book Booker and I'll go back, put that back, pull out another book, and it's just an exchange. That's cool. Really cool. Yeah. And then it makes really you want to cool. finish the book so you can actually take it back. Take it and back and get another one. Mm. Mm. So ah. Book Exchange are sick. There's a huge one, Nembo. It has over... 200,000 books in it. Yeah. Just called the book exchange. Books are a game changer, actually. Yeah. If, if I was talking about things that have helped me, books, yeah. 100%. The one I'm reading right now, everyone go get it, The Untethered Soul. Mm. If you Holy want to learn dilly. about anything big that's happened in, that someone's done or that's happened in history, books is the place to go. Mm -hmm. So much yeah. information. And if I could recommend any anyone, I would recommend Joe Dispenza. Yeah. He's like, hands down, like, the best books that I've ever read and I can never put them down when I pick them up. What's the main one that he's got? Be um, the, is it? There's... Um, be the Placebo? No. Be, uh, you Are the Placebo you are the, yep. and then there's... Um, oh man, I'm having a mind blank no, now. That's all good um, but I'll, I'll link a few in the show notes as well and any recommendations that all three of us have for, for books, um, any other information that we've used or uh, obviously said in this podcast because we really want... This is all about value. Yeah. You know, as much as it was about celebrating your seven years of sobriety and how yeah. you got here and your story, talking about you, Zave, and how you've gotten to this point as well and watching your journey at, what are you, 22 this year? Um, Yeah, turned 22 March 6th. Ooh, that's not too far Less off. Less than a month. Party time. <laughs> yeah, damn. So it's it's exciting to see that, you know, right now I'm 32 this year and I actually feel the youngest I ever have. Mm. You know, I'm the happiest I've ever been. I'm in a good place. As much as it, I've been recently through a breakup, um, it's beautiful to, to watch it at, from a maturity level and both of us being logical about it. Um, watching Tams grow. You know, I, Luke O'Neill said this, bro, and it hit me. So you two will probably really like this too. 
we both believe that everyone at some point should experience heartbreak because what it does, it opens the heart and allows it to, to love more, feel more, be more. Because it's like the muscles when you're tearing them in the gym, tearing that muscle fiber. If you eat that good food, eat that protein, rest, the muscle gets bigger, right? Mm. Same with the muscle. I mean, the heart, if you grow from that heartbreak and develop yourself, learn some new things, maybe go to the gym, do the revenge bod stuff, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, but start to care for yourself more rather than st- sinking into the darkness and being depressed in your room mm. and letting it shrink and become smaller and weaker. Yeah. You could have the potential to get become this bigger, better person because your heart has been broken. Mm. Tams has never been on this side of heartbreak. Yeah. She's had three or four really good partners that she's been the one to let it go. Mm. She now feels like she's changed. I'm watching her, bro. She's literally doing things I've never seen her do before. Mm. And that's beautiful. That is beautiful. So as much as it hurt to do it, because we were just very different people. Um, it's a beautiful process to watch because it's like I'm watching this fucking phoenix rise, man. Yeah. I know she's going to do some incredible things. And that can happen too. Like from my own experience, from my um, partner, um, my ex-partner, when we broke up, like I was, at the time I was shattered. I didn't think I could fall in love again. I read, I listened to an audio book called The Way of Superior Men by the, David Dieter. Yeah. I listened to that book and straight away I was like, I want love again. Within six months of listening to that book, I found my current partner, Rian, and it's been the best. Like, shout out, Rian. Shout out to Rian. But <laughs> I couldn't even explain like how much of a better relationship. Like, I can't even think of anything better than the relationship i got now. But I purely bring it back down to that book, accepting the value it gave me and then implementing the value that it put within me and then moving forward with that. Mm, have to agree. I've listened to it. I was actually just started listening to it for my third time today. Yeah. Because they say you need to listen or read something for 11 times mm. to really integrate it within and embody it. Um, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. Anyone listening, The Way of the Superior Man, it's free on YouTube. Yeah. Like you can time put it to times two so it only takes two hours to listen instead of mm. five. You know, all this cool shit that's out there. It's just understanding and having people, having the conversation that you can listen to and then hear all these things and be like, oh, if they're doing it and it works for them, maybe I can try it. Give it a go, yeah. So any closing words from you boys? Um, thank you. <laughs> like I said before, gratitude. Thank you, man. Mm. Thank you for having me on here. You know, um, I wouldn't have pictured that I would be on here for coming from your podcast being the first podcast I ever listened to, to now sitting in and <laughs> that's awesome. Being able to experience this fucking phenomenal stuff. That's the synchronicity. <laughs> you know, if you've been listening to this whole podcast and wondering what the hell is he talking about, the synchronicities. Mm. That right there would be a part of your journey. 100%, bro. Because I believe you are going to be a leader. You are a leader. Yeah. You've taught me things, bro. You're Mm -hmm. 21. People think there's a whole age thing, but you've lived lives before this. Yeah. So I know you're way more wise beyond your words. Mm -hmm. Kayla and Tiana, bro, they're 21. They teach me things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's this whole belief that, you know, people that are younger younger than us, we have this ego, especially men. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to listen. They're like, oh, fucking, I know that. It's like, do you? Yeah. Or are you just trying to be tough right now in this situation? And I'd also like to say a, a big thank you to you for yeah. staying true to yourself and sticking through it, man. You're fucking, I'm proud of you for, you know, seven years. It's a big accomplish, thank accomplishment. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it, though. Thank you, too, and I appreciate how far you've come as well. And you're going to do amazing things, bro. I just believe in yourself. I do, brother. Thank you. Boys. And closing words for people. Um, if something, If you fear something in life in terms of an action or you're scared of an outcome, go towards it. Because that might be your calling to not just overcome that, but might be your calling towards your purpose too. So whatever you fear in life, find a way to go towards it. 
Because mm. once you're in the uncomfort zone, that's where you truly grow. Mm. I love that. The difference between you and the person you look up to is that they have tried. Mm. So Ooh. fucking try. Yeah. Agreed. Put yeah. yourself out there. Apply and yourself. Any knockdown isn't a fail. It's a lesson. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, dude, I fail all the time, but yeah. it's a lesson. It's a lesson. It's learning. Yeah. I'm just learning. Mm. I'm not okay. failing. Yeah. It's no losers. It's just learners. Awesome. Well, that was incredible. We've gotten to the two-hour mark. Balls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I knew it was going to get to that point, which is fine. Uh, whoever's still listening, thank you. I hope you got a lot from this. Uh, if you want to find Ryan, you will find him at? Uh, mental Health Experience. Um, it's on all social platforms like Facebook, um, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. But I'm mainly, you can mainly contact me on Instagram, so at Mental Health Experience. Um, One Talk Podcast on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and it will shortly be on YouTube. I'm about to upload them all onto YouTube as well. Nice. And look out for Mersey. That's my um, that's my oldest name. And music's coming out this year. Mersey. Yeah. yeah. I'm that's so pumped for that. <laughs> and Zave, what's your Instagram handle? Uh, my Instagram is at its.yaboyxav. It's, it's your boy, your boy Zave. Yeah. That's me. Perfect. And you, you're going to have some cool content coming out because I know you're going to be speaking more. Yes, mm. absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And my random, my partner, started a candle business. So if anyone wants candles or incense, Ooh. go to Bose Candles on Instagram and you get the best smelling candles in the world. Sick. I'll, I'll drop that <laughs> Ooh, in the yeah. um, show notes as well, which I'm sure you'll put in your show notes yeah, too. Because <laughs> yes, guys, just at the end of the day, this is a one talk and technician podcast. This isn't mine or his. We want to make sure these collaborations are coming from a place of being humble and understanding that we're helping. It's not about anyone more so than another. And that's one thing that Todd, myself and Ripple have always said with the Ripple effect, that shit is not us. Yeah. It is the community. It is the collective. You know, yes, we came up with the idea, but at the end of the day, it's all bigger than us. hundred. And that's why I love there's no competitiveness between anyone. You know, like... Especially Look how many podcasts there are. Yeah, so many. And we're all supporting each other. And that's the beauty of it. There's no ego involved. Like, oh, fuck, he's doing more than me. Yeah. Like, I'm happy to see someone doing more than me because that means I can also achieve that. Of course. Yeah, inspired. And then just ask the questions, bro, how are you getting there? Yeah. And if they don't want to tell you, maybe don't deal with that guy. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> um, like I'm watching Elise go up to the, she's in like top 10 right now. Yeah, she's good. It's incredible, man. You know, to see one of my best mates doing that at such a young age, I love that. Yeah. But then there'll be people that would be like, oh, why is she doing better than me? What the hell? Yeah. What is this shit? And there's just, you don't need to come from that place. Yeah. Because as you said, when there's no competition, there's just love and there's just respect. We all grow as a collective, so we all win anyway. Yeah, it's like, it's getting out of your analytic brain and getting into your heart and leave with that. Why do we keep saying such cool shit near the end? (laughs) 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 I hope everyone's still listening. Uh, I'm sure they will be. But uh, thank you, boys. I appreciate you. And thank you so much. Appreciate you, Trev. Dude, thanks for sharing your story. Mm. You know, again, I have to say the same as Xavier said, like, Mm. appreciate you, respect you. Respect Mm. to you, brother, for the fact that you made it here. You got through that because a lot of people don't. Yeah. And then you get to share that story and help others to maybe help them get through their story as well. 100%. Thank you for that. And I appreciate you doing this collaboration as well. And everything you're doing with your tech talks, technician podcasts and everything else, man, you're doing and bringing a lot of value into not just a community, but also out in the world because you're international, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Dude, I think, my, I'm, think I'm the top 50 in Cyprus right now. Oh, let's go. <laughs> let's go. I don't know where that came from, but cool. <laughs> Shout out Cyprus. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, obviously, keep an eye out for this because... 
when are you looking to drop in your episode, bro? Um, well, this Thursday, the 10th of February, is my sober anniversary. So I'll probably try and drop it around that. I'll drop it the same day. Yeah. Might cool. as well. Let's do it. Thursday. All right. Let's go, guys. Thank you. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. Thank you.